Warning, the podcast Under the Stairs is not safe for work. We'll feature movie spoilers and language which most listeners may find offensive. Brought to you in conjunction with Legion Podcast Network. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 126. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and welcome to the show. So episode 126 is the second part or concluding show for this Russian roulette franchise retrospective on the Sleepaway Camp franchise that is right ladies and gents this is the second part please check out episode 125 to hear reviews of Sleepaway Camp and Sleepaway Camp 2 Unhappy Campers this episode will cover Sleepaway Camp 3 Teenage Wasteland it will cover Sleepaway Camp 4 aka The Survivor and Return to Sleepaway Camp my three guests on this episode randomly selected from having their names plucked from a bowl with a corresponding film will be Mike Murphy, Dave Z and finally Jerry Herring. So hopefully you enjoy the bonkersness of this episode. Can I just take a second before we jump in and start talking all things Sleepaway Camp to say that this is another two episode week for podcasts under the stairs. We are dropping this episode today on Monday and on um, Thursday 30th of November we are bringing you Shiflanigans, which is about a three and three quarter hour long episode looking at all six movies um, and the feature length uh, filmography of Mike Flanagan. That episode will feature myself, Bo Ranstill and Jamie G. Sammons and it's a whole hell of a lot of fun talking about all six of those fantastic movies. So that episode will be dropping final day in November before we jump into our listener month December. So yeah, another three movies to go and I wanted to make this episode intro very, very short and kick into uh, what's going to be a ton of fun because trust me, the gloves are off when we're talking about the final three instalments in this franchise. So I'm going to take my first break of the show. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for Slipaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland and then the selection music as we pick our first guest host to join me. All that and more coming right up right after this hello this is the doom show keep on keeping on and keep on trucking america we don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any (laughs) the truth hurts i just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback sorry guys that's gotta go (laughs) that's gotta go in there so on the show uh we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies sometimes we even talk about cameron mitchell And his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. 
Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? <laughs> we got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. I know that in the next three days we'll get to know each other much better. When we all get together again, I promise it won't be the same. Angela's back to slash last year's record. Last year's Camp Carnage was so much fun that Angela has decided to return for another season. Whatever happened to Angela Baker? Nobody knows. Where'd you learn to chop wood like that? I've never chopped wood before, but I've chopped other things. Those immoral young campers. When will they ever learn? Nobody wants to go to a camp where everyone's been slaughtered. What's your favorite, um, color? Blood red. How many have you killed this time? Lots. Ah! Kill me too? How are you gonna do it? What's it gonna be? A gun. Like every time I go to camp, somebody loses their head. This year, camp's a real killer. Angela is seeing to that. Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. Ladies and gentlemen, this picture, truly one of the most unusual of the films, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. And welcome back. So, brand new episode, the second and final part of this Sleepaway Camp um, Russian Roulette retrospective on the franchise. Um, this is part three, Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. And um, the very lucky individual who had his name drawn from the bowl to uh, join me here to discuss this movie is making his podcast under the stairs debut. Now, Truth be told, I'm super excited about this. Not only does he host a show that I have been on before, 
Um, but I, I think it's probably the most consistent show in the history of genre podcasting. I mean, you know exactly where you stand and almost exactly what you're going to get when you sit down and listen to the badasses, boobs and body counts. Of course, I have the mastermind of that show with me to discuss Slipaway Camp 3. It's the fantastic Mike Murphy. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm like, like, we've joked about this, I think, for over a year about you coming on this show. Uh, So we're making it happen now, and I'm glad we did it in these circumstances. So, yeah, and like I kind of told you before we talked, and then I said we shouldn't say anything else because we need to capture all this for, you know, (laughs) historical purposes, that uh, I I, I don't guest on too many shows. Mm -hmm. And just because I just don't, I, I don't have the time, but I've started to free more time up cutting back on certain things that I do, certain activities, and I'm trying to be less of a dick. And that's true. That's true. I, you know, I'm the first to admit that I can be kind of an asshole at times. But, wow. Uh, and, yeah, when I asked you, like, so what other um, franchises did you – was in this pool <laughs> you have Sleepaway Camp chosen because – and I don't know. So I'm, I feel lucky that I, I got – Part three because it's certainly not the worst, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not the best. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is. Oh, I, I know this franchise probably is. Look, it's 1989, right? When this is filmed, back to back, part two, and this genre of film, this slasher genre, is dead in the water at this oh, point. Yeah. yeah, and horror literally has come to a halt in 89 Mm -hmm. and almost ceases to exist if compared to the early to mid 80s oh yes definitely i mean what else do you do (laughs) in this genre of horror and they don't do anything in this one no that's different (laughs) or that's even remotely good or entertaining it's it's one of these weird things and and that someone has an idea to to try and resurrect the, the kind of semblance of doing a franchise based on a movie that came out, what, six years before this, um, which was one of these weird, strange little oddities we spoke about in the last episode. It, it kind of shouldn't work, but in a, lot of resp- in a lot of respects it doesn't work, but it does have like a couple of a really interesting twists and one of the most iconic endings to a horror movie of all time in that it comes so far from left field that when it hits you, you're just like, what am I watching now? Yeah, and you know, I'll say this again. I've said it before, not to your audience, because I've never been on the show before, but (laughs) I'm of the opinion that if the first movie doesn't have that ending, then this this movie basically just disappears and is never really cared about by anybody. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And and doesn't spawn these sort of half-assed sequels. (laughs) It's it's just as straight, because... They do, they film part two and three back to back in six weeks. Like, in six weeks. Yeah, it shows. It it, it shows. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's, I mean, I don't know if it's the, the, they were supremely confident that they would be able to, you know, get some sort of, I mean, back then as well, I mean, if the film's made, it's, you know, and you've got, like, a recognisable character, kind of then you can put out, it will do a bit of money. Horror tends to make its money back. You know, there's very few 
yeah. horror movies unless you spend like a, a couple of hundred million on it you're 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 usually safe you'll get your investment back it's just a it's a strange movie to franchise to be honest with you sleep away yeah. camp really no bizarre. this is a franchise that should have one movie period yeah. that's it it should have ended at one agreed agreed the second and, one and I, we could probably say that about a lot of franchises but oh, yes <laughs> like let's, let's Let's talk about briefly other franchises that could have ended at one Friday. No, Friday Thirteenth, I think, is it's a pretty strong franchise. There are hits and misses throughout, so you can kind of live with Halloween is like probably the worst offender for oh, yes. bad sequels outside of <laughs> Camp. And the Nightmare Answered, I think, I think it's hit and miss. I think people have strangely come to love part two and reality it's just a piece of shit movie <laughs> i've always loved part two mike <laughs> <If I haven't. laughs> there was something i, I want to say i saw part two first i may be wrong about that i remember seeing nightmare at an age that i shouldn't have seen it like about eight or nine and um and, and that's like the film you see first is the one you sort of are closest to and yeah. that you enjoy them so that probably that's why you've always liked it I think. yeah I, 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 there was just something about it and um, that just kind of you know hooked into me nightmare to me has three good movies as the first three and then everything after that is Shit. just it's the freddy machine let's just churn out more one-liners more ridiculous circumstances to put freddy krueger in and i think you can blame that character for the sort of offbeat uh, comedy to follow. Oh god, in yeah. Mid to late eighties. Yeah, I mean, with... even in this film, in the previous Sleepaway Camp film, I actually think Pamela Springsteen is outstanding, outstandingly yeah. over the top in both these movies. I, I totally agree. I think she she captures. I mean, if you if you you read through the uh, the the history, <laughs> if there is such a thing, against the movie. I mean, they originally went back to Felissa Rose, who was about to go to college. She didn't really have much of an interest. I believe she did read for the part, and they said that she hadn't captured the humour that they wanted, and Pamela Springsteen just seemed to have this really campy, kitschy sort of vibe, which fits perfectly. And I, I would agree, she's the best thing in both those movies, by a country mile. Um... I also think as well, you. I think you're hitting the nail on the head when you're saying that Freddy Krueger is, the, or the way the character develops, particularly after part three, is the reason we get so much of the, the kind of cheesy one-liners coming out of characters. And I know that you recently um, trundled back through the, the Child's Play franchise. And yeah. that's, that's a franchise that, you know, starts off, I mean, it has a couple of lines, but for, for, for the most part... Pretty the serious. First one, a bit serious and then after that they increasingly get goofier um, yeah. and, until you hit <laughs> right. like, curse or something where it gets sort of serious again and then even the last one where there are some comical bits mm -hmm. it it tries to get more serious and that that's great it sort of comes back around to where it started yeah I honestly don't think there's a stinker in the Chucky franchise not uh, like these other franchises that we love and hate. Yeah. And by the way, I, I hate the Sleepaway Camp franchise. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here with me. <laughs> I, I just hate it. Well, again, so uh, highlight for parts two and three, I know we're talking about three, Teenage Wasteland, is Pamela Springsteen. Yeah. Outside of her and her way over-the-top character, this movie is a fucking train wreck. <laughs> it's really really but all of the place <laughs> sort of in a fun way mm -hmm. 
and I give it that. Yeah, I think that's really the 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 biggest kind of compliment you can give to part two and three is as bad as the movies are, at least you can have fun watching them, um, and they are pretty bad. What, what surprises me is that you know part two is still a bit more vicious than part three, even though I think part three is a higher body count. A lot of the kills are just they're muted or they're kind of done in such a way that you don't really see anything. That's budgetary. You don't see anything. Yeah. yeah there are, the kills are probably... So I have not seen... I understand there's a four and five, which I don't know who drew those, but I'm sorry. I'm just apologizing <laughs> for them right now for you all for that future conversation because I can't imagine. So when I bought the box set from Anchor Bay some 20 years ago, uh-huh. it came with the first three films and it came with a fourth disc and it was part of the fourth film so i'm to understand they've finished that and on top of finishing that they've done a fifth movie yeah so yeah so i am originally the the plan for this retrospective kind of poll thing right was to pick franchises that had four movies i was not aware that sleepaway camp had a fifth like at all until right before the draw and Dave Z from Exploding Heads nominated himself to come in and then he landed part four. That disc you have, that's unfinished film, yeah. is pretty much part four. Oh my god, that's horrible. Dave Z, you kinda deserve to <laughs> get this movie. Sorry, pal, but you kinda deserve it. And then um Return to Sleep. So because Dave like covers all movies he loves. Yes. Right? Yes. Mm. <laughs> I'm so happy. I want to hear this so badly. <laughs> he's, he's already told me that the episode, his, his review is not going to last long and it's going to be fairly curse-heavy, um, which I'm kind of looking forward to. Uh, but part five is directed by the guy that did the first movie. So he comes back to do Return to Sleepaway Camp and in a lot of respects watching it, it feels like, I mean, the same beats are happening, the same plot points. There are characters that are eerily similar to the first movie that almost feels like he's kind of doing a kind of a remake so, does Felicia Rose come back uh, no yes she does actually yeah yeah she does oh. she has a she, towards the end like a cameo um, or something yes yeah yeah um, and it's it's not a great movie it's not the worst it's not a great movie I just don't think um, uh, Robert Hilzik I think that's the guy who directed the first one wrote it I just don't think he's he's I don't think he's a good storyteller. <laughs> and in 2008, that's painfully obvious. I mean, you could get away with a lot in the 80s. You could hide a lot in the 80s under, like, look at our cheesy, crazy characters and look at the goofiness and wackiness. Uh, and there's a bit of nostal- nostalgia that'll carry you through. It feels... I think a movie was shot in 2001 and didn't get released to 2008. Oh, um, my God. So, you, you know, that yeah, laying a shelf for So it's a like Dangerous with... Man. It was shot over a 20-year period. <laughs> or Winter Beast. <laughs> Or Winter Beast. So Pamela Springsteen being sort of a highlight of the film. Another thing, I guess, if I'm talking about positives, Mm -hmm. is the the surprising amount of nudity. Yes, both movies actually, parts two and three, um, do not uh, do not spare the breast quota. There's serious boobage in these films, Mm -hmm. and in part three specifically, the one we're talking about. So outside of those things, that's. There's this. There's great twenty-eight-year-old boobs in this movie. Because <laughs> really, the cast. So I'm like, when I IMDb, I didn't. So I don't take any notes. Mm-hmm. I, we're just kind of flying off the cuff here. But I'm. I have the IMDb up now, and the youngest I think teenager in this movie was a twenty-five-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and at least, at least with the Pamela Springsteen 
part of Angela, at least the stupid cop says, well, you, you look a little aged to be 17. And yes. what, she's like 34 or something like that. <laughs> it, it, they couldn't have missed on any of these teenagers by a country mile like this this uh, Hispanic guy from L.A. who's a gangster. No. No, that's not what L.A. gangsters look like at all. <laughs> And he's got the he's got the red bandana around his neck. I guess he's supposed to be a blood, right? Mm-hmm. And not a Christian. Um, <laughs> mm, no. <laughs> there is a bit in this though where um, a particular prissy white girl uh, starts throwing out some racial slurs, which I was like, That's yeah, uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Why? Why are we doing that in this movie? Really? I have no idea. The N word was thrown out, and that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, left field completely for me, and I um, it's it's jarring. Yeah, you just do not expect it in this sort of and this movie's like we say, like it's not very well acted in the scripts. What, what do you mean? It's no, it's extremely well acted. My masterpiece. Um, <laughs> it's when this you, movie is acted. <laughs> when you have. A movie which has, you know, this kind of level of campiness about it, like, excuse the pun, but especially when it's going for that fun aspect, the rails for the train are going straight and everyone's having a good time until that word is dropped and then the train derails pretty quickly. Right. And giving well off wealthy people a bad name instantly. Yeah, well, yeah. She sort of plays the the Beverly Hills rich kid. Mm Mm-hmm. And she throws out the N word. Like, where did that come from? Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I honestly it was. Uh, it did catch me a, a, a bit by surprise. Um, so yeah, I think. And uh, one of the other things I quite like about the movie, um, if, we're, if we're, we're talking about things that are actually pretty cool, I do like the setup. I do like the idea of her kind of. You know, she's going. Under, she kills someone to go undercover, and then the fact that she can jump bet- between these three smaller groups and she just like infests in the group you know wipes her out one at a time then moves to the next group and continues yeah she's like a virus yeah (laughs) she just kind of goes amongst them all and she she yeah she attacks them all very uh with with such great uh humor and such uh what's the right word positivity if you can call it that (laughs) she she is she's like she is the the manners she's a happy camper right yeah she is a (laughs) <laughs> I love the fact that at one point she's like that. Are you a cheerleader? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, do you do drugs? Do- doesn't everyone? And she's like, you're, are you a virgin? And she's like, of, of course I'm not. And she's like, that's three for three. Uh, <laughs> you read the bad books. When they, when they had the flashback of the Happy Camper song, I fast forwarded through that. That's just that's padding. You know what I mean? That's yeah, to, oh, that's totally. to make this movie enough of a time to class it as a feature length movie. Yeah, so. and I like you're right. It is a great setup with 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 her stealing the identity of this kid wearing a really bad wig. <laughs> and then, and then she wears like probably one of the worst cinematic wigs in the history of movies during this. Film. It's like a, it's like a really bad 1980s Tina Turner wig. Yeah. Um, probably from her dressing room, <laughs> Tina Turner's dressing room. And I don't, I don't recall her being in a wig in part two. I don't think she was. No, 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 no. In part two, she's her. But in part two, so she the, plays herself. They just don't know what her surname is. Or like her, even right. Her so, Angela. so in this film, they sort of use the wig to hide her identity. Yeah. Now, what's up with the cop? This cop is. So we cover a lot of bad movies on my podcast. And the cop, 
Tough, stupid. Trust me, this movie is actually pretty good compared to the, some of the stuff that we covered. But the cop is really inept. And at one point, because I didn't watch all three of these movies, at one point the cop mentions, my son died here last year. Yep. I'm thinking, why the fuck are you back here first off? <laughs> and then and then they start talking about Angela and how she was last seen like six or seven years ago. Yes. So part is he in part two? So he's no, he's in not part in part two. His son's in part two. So this is the Literally. this is the kind of like they do it in Friday the Thirteenth part. Was it part four? The brother of one of the characters like appears as like a hitch right. hitchhiker, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, searching for his sister who died mysteriously at the camp. Right, the dark haired guy in that movie. Yeah, so, so it's sort of the same thing. Yeah, kinda, kinda. Um, so all five films to this point or are you just kind of tackling them as you bring guests on because i'm curious you know how how the timeline works or should that not matter um it, it's a bit more consistent here in fairness uh, so i've still i've still to rewatch part four i um and and to be honest i remember watching part of part four and switching it off so because i thought it was awful so i've still to rewatch that but in terms of the timeline uh, part one takes place um, six years, six or seven years before uh, part, uh, part two, two, and then part three is set a year on from part two. Okay, so so it's actually real, real years between the first and second movie. Yes, and I would imagine a real year after the third movie is released, since they shot it back to back. Yeah, pretty much. So they they make reference to that because they couldn't afford much for this movie. They just shot in the same location. So yeah. they play into the right. fact that the camp's reopening in the same place and rebranding. Um, it so kind of makes you wonder, like, if they're if they're getting close to finishing this and they've come in way under budget and way under schedule, if they look at each other and say, we have enough money to do another film. Let's just do it. <laughs> it's, that's the old, uh, it's the old Jess Franco thing, isn't it? Jess Franco. Oh, was, yeah. Except yeah, was, for Franco with four of them. Yeah, he was famous for for getting you know pitching his movie, getting his money yeah. for his movie, and then micro budget in four movies. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you could probably the same with like Fred Ray and Jim Wynowski, where they're shooting one movie during the day and and the other movie during the night using yeah. the same equipment. So yeah, yeah as as to, as to maximize their ability to put out it, movies, it's great efficiency. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, like you think about it, it's that it's that whole kind of it's taking that that kind of the ideas that Roger Corman brought forward about yeah. just. How and in a lot of respects, a lot of um, modern movies should pay heed to that as well. I think that's why Blumhouse has been so successful, in particular this year, but in the last couple of years as well. Is that Blumhouse has a strict five million dollar budget rule cap? Yeah, and that's it. That's what you get to make your movie, and that has to include marketing as well. So you tend to that's not much. It's not at all. And um, when you look at movies that, like particular this year, it was split. Which M Night Shyamalan got a bit more money to, to do that, which is still technically a Blumhouse movie. But if you look at something like Get Out, which made wait, are you saying M Night directed a successful film? Is that what you're telling me here? <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, his last two movies <laughs> have been successful. Out with that, I think I still think he's a uh, bat and average to use an American parlance. Uh, I still think he's bat and average is pretty poor. <laughs> he had a good string of about four awful movies there. Oh. Oh, much more than four. Um, it out made a lot of money. Yeah, it made. I think at the last count, it made over two hundred and ten million on a five million budget. With a black director. Yeah. So the girl who uses the inwood would probably had never found her way as <laughs> to get that movie. 
<laughs> yeah, she would not have checked out this movie at all. It would have been too ethnic for her. Um, she wouldn't have liked any rap music. Uh, Angela raps in this movie, which is... I don't know who it is. Yeah, she, so she like like when the when the guy switches off, he's uh, he's he's getting oh, blaster. Oh my bad. Oh yeah, I thought you. I thought Angela rap was a person in this movie, but no, she does actually try to rap. She she raps in the background. To, the guy thinks it's the radio, which I think is just right. right. It's ludicrous. Yeah. Well, the, honestly, the music on the radio is probably library music, and it wasn't rap. <laughs> <laughs> it was really like third rate techno late 80s club stuff yeah <laughs> well, nothing in this movie really ties itself together very well oh, th- nothing in this movie works I think that's I think that's the thing I think I, I, there are aspects that I like but I'm not sure how much of that is the you know if you take Pamela Springsteen, Springsteen at this movie and you put someone else in the role of Angela I don't think the movie works like the, the, the things I gravitate towards and like I just don't think are good so here's a question for you, uh-huh. and probably about halfway through this, I thought to myself, "Is this a horror movie?" <laughs> I mean, sort of. The reason Fair I say question. that is, sort of has those elements, mm-hmm. but it's more of a sex. It's it's definitely an exploitation film because of all the nudity. Thank yes. God, because that's kind of what saves it. <laughs> that and Pamela Springsteen, but. The, all, they pull away from every single kill in the movie, mm-hmm. and you don't see anything but maybe some blood splurts on a tent. Yes, and and it's it feels more comedic than anything else. I don't think this is. I don't think you can classify this as a horror movie. I think if you were being, I think the, the, this is the thing that at times like confuses and frustrates me about about franchises is that you know if you're looking at even to an extent. We're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. If you look at some of the later elements, some of the later movies in Nightmare on Elm Street, which still do have the gore, but don't have the menace, don't have the dread, don't have the setup as such. So when you start stripping all that out, you have some practical effects that are kind of gory, but you don't really have any of the other qualifiers that would necessarily make you think horror movie. And a lot of horror franchises, particularly from the 80s, go down that trend you know the longer they go on the more and it's because by that point all the things that made the early movies like stand out is the fact that you know our killers in the shadows they're stalking them we get some kind of pov perspective they've run out of ideas now yeah. which is nothing new to do yeah so you yeah you basically you substitute the gore which was very difficult to do in the late 80s with nudity which was still relatively easy to do in certain aspects um and what you get is you get so much time with it. I mean, Sleepaway Camp is one of these weird ones in in the first movie, you don't know who the killer is until the reveal at the end. In the second movie, we are not just seeing our killer, but we're spending a lot of time with her. We're we're following her, getting our, you know, employee of the uh, the month award, her sitting down getting chewed out by her boss. By this one here, we're following her, just the camera's on her. Yeah, there's no hiding the fact that she's doing the killing. That's straight up up front. Yeah, you remove a lot of the suspense at that point. So when you remove that suspense, you're right. It doesn't actually qualify as being a horror movie. And if I was sitting down with the same kind of criteria I would use to, to judge anything along that line, and it is worth saying that horror is purely subjective and to some people... Right. Absolutely. And we also have to keep in mind that horror fans, probably the majority of your audience... I don't do a horror podcast myself, but we do cover horror films, but like real horror fans people who call themselves true horror fans boy 
they give a lot of leeway to the shit they watch. So they may argue they may argue that this is absolutely a horror movie, which in fact I I don't think it is. I think it's and again, I think every horror movie ever ever made period is an exploitation film yes. at its heart. Mm-hmm. Well, all films are exploitation films, but this one more so because of the nudity and the so-called simulated sex scenes that are in it, but I I I'll call it an exploitation film, knowing that real horror fans are will go a lot easier on that. Yeah, I think I th- like if if you were asking me to be one hundred percent honest, which I think you are, um, I would probably agree with you. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think this one. I don't necessarily think the second movie is it, is what I would classify as a as a horror movie either. It, it's obviously because it's coming off the back of that first movie, which once again is, I mean, the first one definitely is like a horror movie purely because of the way they set it up. Um, the execution's not great, but the way they set it up is, is in the kind of tradition of kind of 80s slashers to, to an extent. But yeah, you're right. By this point, it's it's more comedy and exploitation than it is, you know, kind of thrilling. It's like watching scary. screwballs. Yes. Oh, God, yes. It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, that's what it kind of evokes when I watch it. So I don't... Yeah, I would probably say it's not, and I think they, they move away from that pretty quickly, and it speaks a lot to the time period in which the movie comes out, because like you said, like almost at the introduction there, by 89, horror's pretty much is done, as you know, it's, yeah. it's ran its course, the 80s, you know, kicked the arse out of it, to use a Scottish phrase. And, and, and also, this movie is a year old by then. Yes, oh god yeah, so you're, you're trundling on a, an additional year. And it yeah. feels painfully like an '80s movie, you know. It's got oh, that. Oh, oh, totally is. It's got it's got the terrible late '80s high jeans and mm-hmm. fashion and the shoulder pads. It's ridiculously fantastic, actually. Yeah, <laughs> and um, what you get is you get like this weird time period, and in particular the early '90s, where we kind of go back to the. We get some hangovers for sure um, from the '80s that carry over. You know things. Like uh, people under the stairs, like the one that I always go to of a movie that feels totally like it should have come out in the eighties, but it weirdly comes out in the nineties, and it really doesn't have much of a market because people are like, "What is this goofy?" No, this is the nineties now. We don't do goofy. We're now doing serious because it's no longer horror; it's psychological thriller, and we have movies right. like Silence of the Lambs, which will win Oscars now, and we will have movies like Seven and Misery, and none of these movies are. Yeah, cinema is definitely changing in the 90s at this point. Of course. Of and course and that, that horror is bouncing on drama and the sh- sort of shock value of the films that you just mentioned. Yeah. I will say, though, people in the stairs, at least it has the these odd, funny twists. Funny meaning because, like, you get the two, the married couple from Twin Peaks that are in this movie, right? Yep. Ed and I uh, forget the lady's name who are amazing in this movie because they're not much different than what they were in Twin Peaks. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. It's... And then you got this bunch of, like sort of they're not necessarily deformed but they've been maimed mm-hmm. and they've been kept under the stairs and they're not actually bad i think there was some they tried some different things in that movie and i think that's what i mean if compared to sleepaway camp part three teenage wasteland <laughs> that that one stands far above this one in terms of it being a better film yeah. and at least trying something both horror and exploitative because yeah. it works in both camps yeah, I mean, it benefits from the fact that, you know, Wes Craven's directing it as well. Uh, and Wes Craven could command a bit more money. And it was, it was like, for all, he did make a few movies which I think are absolute abominations in cinema. Um, I, just, I just put this box set in my storage, the one with that movie, um, the one, the, the voodoo movie. 
Oh, it's uh, uh, separate than yeah. Limbo. Yeah, and there's one other movie in there too. Shocker? I just had to trim down. Which one? Shocker by any chance? Oh, I love, fucking love Shocker. As Shocker's, bad as it is. <laughs> Shocker's yeah. a blast, yeah. man. I think he was trying for another Nightmare on Elm Street, but that didn't work. Yeah, oh, totally, totally. Uh, I think <clears throat> what you get is, when we're talking about this in particular, you, you just, these movies, it's a weird time to try and start a franchise. You know what I mean? Like, the, the you could say Chucky is maybe the last one of the, the, the kind of 80s horror movies that successfully makes a transition late on in the 80s anyway to start to have a franchise. Because um, that first one, I think, is like 87. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and it, so and then, you know, you, you get a franchise after that. This movie is, you know, the Sleepaway Camp 2 is a year after that. And, it and just, they just feel so, so far apart. Yeah, doesn't even feel like it's, it, it's, it should be discussed on the But well, then you got to consider the writer and director of uh, Child's Play as well. Oh, yeah, Tom Holland's pretty fucking great <laughs> um and it's funny you know who'd have thought we'd still be getting like legitimately good chucky movies in 2017 it's, it's the one it's the one i keep coming back to is the one you want this is my this is my theory on things right um is the reason you've not been able to get like proper established reboots that continue on for any of the other franchises so, like, Nightmare didn't cut it, Friday the 13th didn't cut it, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so Leatherface kind of did, but, you know what I mean? I heard that, that recent um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre film, the prequel, was actually pretty good, but I haven't seen it yet, so... I thought it was I thought it was okay. I, I, I felt like there was a lot... Yeah, I thought there was a lot of missed opportunities. It kind of was done by the guys that did Inside, which I think is just, like, this wholly nihilistic... Like, I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. Hmm, that's interesting. And now I'm more interested to watch it because Inside, Inside is like pretty brilliant, I think. Yeah, I think Inside's like this is my maybe my favourite home invasion movie and it's probably because it just feels like it's that French cinema thing as, as well. It just feels completely different. Um, well, regarding what you said, like the, the big three are basically dead in the water. Yeah. And I, I've recently said on my show that probably more than once and most of your listeners will argue and disagree with me, but <laughs> it's too fucking bad. I don't think there needs to be another Friday the 13th, Halloween, or Nightmare on Elm Street. I think... I, 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 I Look, I would love to see another one of those films, okay? But I would like to see a competent movie, not something done by some piece of shit director like Rob Zombie. Yes. But I would love to see a competently made follow-up to any one of those be successful like It or like by any... Blumhouse produced movie, right? Mm -hmm. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think those franchises are dead. Yeah, I think, but you, the, the, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you're saying follow up. And I think that's the problem. I think those movies got remade. I think how Child's Play has turned it round is it took a bit of time off and then it just continued the story. It gave the fans what they wanted. So they didn't go back to basics. I don't get why they're continuing to dip in the re remake yeah. well when they should look at the next film as a continuation of, of the last film. Problem is, you get guys in there that say, well, I don't want Alien 3 and 4 to exist, so I'm going to – my next movie is going to be Alien 3. Well, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like trying to make a Grindhouse film. You can't make a Grindhouse film because – 
well, first off, that genre doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, there are movies you can make that are similar to what played in the grindhouse, but that's not a genre. Mm -hmm. You kind of see what I'm saying here? I do indeed. And like you you said, the Chucky series does it perfectly. Take some time off. Um, The great thing about that is it's got like the same director and same writer sort of throughout the whole series. Yeah, that that benefits. Success. Yeah, that benefits. Whereas, Whereas those other three big franchises... They're just clusterfucks at this point. Yeah, the new Halloween movie comes out next year. Um, I don't believe it. It'll be made. I want to mark my words right it's, now. It's that's, being, that's, it's being made right now, dude. It's being made. And it's Blumhouse as well. That's behind Blum- that. Blumhouse is down. And there's <laughs> that. Bon- Hollywood Boulevard available and up for sale. <laughs> and, but it's the, your, it's the, your example of basically... What, what you know these the, oh, we'll just pretend that so it basically is set right after part two and like well yeah, you, so part can't four do that. through don't exist you know why because part three is amazing part three is amazing you can't you just can't pretend it doesn't exist yeah <laughs> just like teenage wasteland i want to pretend it doesn't exist yeah but it does it does <laughs> and there when you make part four you got to somehow recognize the fact that the other three shitty movies existed in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's true. What I think would have this movie better and part two better, I haven't seen four or five, so I can't talk to those, but <laughs> I think part two and three, regardless of who's in it and whether it's shot back to back, each one of the follow-up movies should have had um, a twist like the first movie yeah. had. Should have... It should have had a twist like Saw. Yes. Yeah, so something that kind of... Well, that's... In a lot of respects, that first movie does have a Saw-like twist. It's that, like a reveal that you never expect. It, floor shit. I think I don't think Saw's twist would exist if it weren't for Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe the, maybe the out-of-left-field twist in Sleepaway Camp is the N-word. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they put it too early. They put it too early. Um, yeah. Should come at the end. <laughs> well, that's what happens. You do money shot. That's when it's stunt cocky. In terms of um, so, like the questions I've been asking the, the other the other people that I've been on, and you've kind of already answered this, but I, I just want to check to make sure that you've got nothing else to say on the, on the subject. When when we look at the canon thus far, so this being the third entry, um, and knowing how the second movie goes. Does this make any cardinal sense then, or is it just really a continuation of the second movie? Does it go, does it, you know, shoot itself in the foot, jump the shark, or, or anything like that by this third entry? Or did the second movie do that and the third movie's just writing the coattails? No, the third movie's, the third movie's writing the coattails, I think. Yeah. That's what I think as well. Um, and, and that's, that's because it was shot back to back with part two. It's the same movie, but. I don't know. There's at least with part two, there's there's some sort of, well, maybe not. It's been a while since I've seen part two, and I I was not going to sit through part one and two, and part three <laughs> to talk about part three. So I, I remember Angela like singing and being this happy camper, but it, we kind of knew that she was the killer in part yes. two the whole way through. So I don't know. That's that's. I think I think the load is blown at the end of part one, and the rest are just cash-ins really yeah i don't even know if that's what you were asking me but that's what i feel i I think i I think that's fair i think the second movie deliberately goes out of the way to change the tone um yeah 
and and I mean it's evident the, the guy the director that wanted to change the tone he wanted to make it more quirky more funny and that's what they did in the second movie and then the third movie being shot back to back you're spot on it carries that through but I think it feels like because part two is so different from part one it kind of feels fresh and then when you reach part three it's like well, well we've already seen this we've already seen this movie so this doesn't feel fresh now at all yeah, outside of Angela killing this look-alike, it, nothing else is different, really. Yeah. Other, oh, well, uh, oh man, the characters in, in Teenage Wasteland are like they're on the they're on they're like retarded. <laughs> they're seriously retarded. Every last one of them are like they have IQs of like sixty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> I see the cop at the end, man. He's holding this two by four. And look, it, don't you hate like gangster movies where the gangster is about to kill a rival and he talks to him for ten minutes? Oh yes, Sleep. and then and then the rival kills him. Yeah, that's what happens in this movie quite frequently. It's his turn as well. He's like that. So are you gonna are you gonna kill me? Are you gonna do it by poison? Are you gonna do? You gonna say like me ten on minutes fire? later? No, by gun. Well, you, you could, he could have totally gotten away from her. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. You know, it's, it's totally yeah. just... <laughs> it never ends. It's been going on forever. <laughs> oh, the last question I need to ask you, Mike, um, is on, on Podcasts Under the Stairs, we do old-school Netflix grades, so we don't necessarily ask you to give it a technical rating at sure. all. It's more how you feel, how the movie makes you feel. So the ratings are one hated it, two didn't like it, three liked it, four really liked it, and five loved it. With those scales, and knowing that you can do point fives as well, let you do point fives. What would you grade uh, Sleepaway Camp Three: Teenage Wasteland? I think I, w- I know I talked really bad about this movie, but if I'm going to rate it like that without too much critical thought, I'm going to have to say I liked it, mm-hmm. just because this is a fucking stupid movie. <laughs> And the characters, they're literally on, on the verge of being mentally challenged. And <laughs> so I like it because it's, it's, it's a fun watch, but it's not a good movie in any stretch of the imagination. No. no. What about uh, you? Yeah, I'm the same as you. A three, a three is what I would give this movie. Um, I, give, I, gave a, I gave part two a higher score by quite a bit because like I say it feels fresh if you're watching them yeah, back right. to back two is just like this alright we're having fun and all the rest and then you come to part three and you're like well we're still having fun kind of but it feels far less original it feels you know like they're treading a lot of the same ground and to me it is a cardinal sin in the middle of a movie to use about ten minutes of footage from your previous movie right I, I don't like to me that's just a cheap way of padding out your movie I know what it is the the viewer knows what it is the movie makers know what they're doing and we're all on the same page so yeah give it you could have done something put an extra character in it and kill that character off um, that yeah this is really minutes. a film it's to be watched with friends and you know it's it's a stupid movie and you kind of know that going in and you have a good time watching it Agreed, agreed. Now, I mean, but- if I'm grading it on my show, it gets probably a D. <laughs> That's fair. I think. Because you have to give you have to give credit where credit's due. It's a movie. It got released in the theaters, and that's hard to say nowadays. Oh, so, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Like I said at the the start of this episode, you have a show which I genuinely think 
in terms of, of podcasts that do genre movies anyway, your show is one of the most consistent for all the good ways, like all the good reasons, and that I can set my watch uh, by the release schedule of the Badasses, Boobs and Boy accounts. And I have been following that show now for as long as I've been podcasting. So it's, it's, almost, it's like four and a quarter years now. Uh, mm-hmm. and I've seen you like very much like a, a snowball rolling down a hill um, gather out of up, control yeah <laughs> gather up the camera I was going to say gather up people as you go along um, yeah. but your, 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 your cast has, has grown um, into this great little collective now um, of three fantastic unique voices <clears throat> all talking about like you said some of the worst movies ever um, and I love it and don't ever change it don't ever change it at all um, my listeners may have never come across your podcast which is a cardinal sin because I play your promo quite a bit over here um, so uh, because it's your first time on and hopefully it won't be your last time Mike I uh, hope not. Give, give us a scoop on what badasses, boobs, and bodies. It, it's great chatting with you, by the way. It's, it's always a pleasure chatting, man. We did it once before. It was April 27th, 2015. I had you on episode 124. Chatterbox, folks, this <laughs> is a, a really low budget, mid 70s, I think 1977, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a Crown International picture, maybe an AIP picture. It's a bottom of the barrel movie about a woman with a talking vagina. <laughs> Chatterbox. One of my favorite yes. reviews, and and the star of the movie is the boom mic. <laughs> the boom mic's in every second shot. There's, there's only one movie that has more boom mic, and that would be Dolomite. <laughs> uh, I'm right, huh? I think you are. I think you are. Um, but like, like I say, I love I love your show. But tell tell the people um, a little bit about it, a little bit about the background and where they can check it out. Okay, so we're at bbnbcpodcast.com. We do a little bit of everything we do some writing mostly it's all exploitation type films and again i said earlier horror films or all films are really exploitation films so on the website when it comes to written form we cover just about anything all kinds of articles and reviews the show we're moving into our sixth year now and we have i don't know close to 300 episodes in our feed and i don't know here's a sort of a taste besides chatterbox the woman with the talking and singing vagina (laughs) Oh, yes, later with a talking talk, by the way. Um, in October, we went mainstream. We did The Evil Dead, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Day of the Dead, Train to Busan, and The Wicker Man. And we've never done that mm-hmm. in the history of our show. Well, we did early on because it was a different show early on. But uh, as of late, we've covered movies like Satan's Children. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Dangerous, Dangerous Men. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Kindergarten Ninja, I don't recommend it. <laughs> uh, upcoming, probably by the time this comes out, I'm not sure when this will be released. I sat down and spoke with the star of Kindergarten Ninja, George Chung. He is a master of martial arts, and he not only starred in the film, but he wrote the film. And I talked to him about why he did, he did all that. <laughs> and I think that's episode 257. We have almost 300 episodes, because like you, Duncan, we've done some bonus stuff. So Yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of gets. Yeah, when people ask you how many episodes you've done, you're like, well, you're best just looking at the feed and counting the numbers, as opposed yeah, to. Yeah, I haven't really done that, but I'm thinking around 300. So, and so yeah, again, bbnbcpodcast.com. We do mostly exploitation, but that does include quite a bit of horror. So, but horror that you, I would never recommend anybody. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, Mike. I'm going to have you back on next year, and we'll tackle something 
maybe a bit more highbrow. I don't know. I'm saying that it might be just equally as bad. Who knows? Um, it'll be. But this is quite good compared to what we've covered recently. So <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> you <are> serious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've heard you. I've heard you talk. Um, it's it's almost like there's a, there's a bit where uh, uh, the, one of the, the great things you can almost tell what your impression of a movie going going in is by there's usually uh, there's usually a your voice kind of changes tone slightly yeah. and then there's a bit of a sigh and I'm like that. Oh yeah, mate, mate didn't like this. <laughs> I tortured myself too because I bought all three of these sleepaway. I didn't buy four and five, but I bought all three sleepaway camps on you know from the scream factory and yeah. i just opened sleepaway camp 3 just to watch this and i don't i'm just going to give it away to one of our patrons so because <laughs> i'll probably never watch it again <laughs> my wife would wish i would do that i don't even you i've got like movies that i know for a fact after watching them i'll, I'll never watch again and they just stay there gathering dust every every december or so i i go through my what i keep in the house and i i filter things down and put them in storage i just put about 300 movies in storage this last <laughs> so anyway imagine your like your storage locker kind of being very similar to uh, the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark and the CIA well not that big but it's pretty big it's my garage so <laughs> well it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you Mike I hope everyone goes out and checks out some badasses boobs and body count it's, it's, like I say I love that show so much and um, I unfortunately have to continue on this journey uh, so coming up after this break for promos of shows that I love, you're going to hear the trailer for our next instalment. It's Sleepaway Camp 4, and we're going to hear all about why Dave Z hates the fact that he was a good Samaritan. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you volunteer for things like karma. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would have volunteered for one, but I don't think I had a choice. Uh, at least I got the gun that didn't deliver the bullet, it sounds like. <laughs> Dave. That's what happened. No, it's been a pleasure. Right, I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back right after this. Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses all things Grindhouse, exploitation, drive-in, and B-movies. Your three hosts, Mike. We're going to discuss the Rene Martinez-directed picture, the $6,000... Last what? Time. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the name of the Super movie. Super Soul that's, Brother. That's the name. When you that's start the movie. Your DVD cover. When you start the movie, the first thing that that's comes up says. is the title, and it says $6,000. Mark. And I've been around a girl stroking a horse's dick. Somehow, somewhere down the line, I'm going to use that clip against you. Shh. <laughs> Please do. And listener favorite, Iris. The deployment sock. And I'm like, deployment sock? What the fuck is a deployment sock? He goes, you know, you know that sock that you just use? Oh my God, you guys are so gross. <laughs> See, so it happens for real. People do come inside. We'll make you question your political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop Sunday and can be found by searching for BB and BC Podcast via iTunes, Lipson, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and everywhere else you can download quality podcasts from. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at bbnbcpodcast.com. If you live through Sleepaway Camp, endure Sleepaway Camp 2 Unhappy Campers, 
and Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. Prepare yourself for Sleepaway Camp 4, The Survivor. Just when you thought it was safe to go back to camp, Angela is back. Ten years ago, Allison went to sleepaway camp for some summer fun. Nice girls don't have to show it off. Wait till you get a load of Judy. Man, oh man. Oh yeah? Now she must return there to discover the source of her gruesome nightmare. She is haunted by visions of mayhem and torture. What hell of a nightmare. The images plague her mind. Dare you. Could have been shot, you know that? What are you doing here anyway? Are they real? To find the answers, Allison must return. I don't like you. Stay out of my way. Her search for truth is a journey through hell. Now it is being hunted. Why are you doing this? You're going to help me. I? Help you? As the past and the present begin to cross paths, the future becomes more uncertain. Will Allison be just another victim, or will she find the strength to survive? As the nightmares become reality, reality becomes a game of life and death. A game where there can be only one winner. See Sleepaway Camp 4, The Survivor.
and welcome back. This is the second movie in this second part of the Russian Roulette franchise retrospective looking at Sleepaway Camp. So this is the dreaded one right here and this is the one that I've been cracking all the jokes about leading up to this because we're doing Sleepaway Camp Part 4, The Survivor, and right back when I, I set the poll up I purposely picked movies that had four installments in the franchise. So I was like, ah, nice easy one to do, breaking it into two shows, two movies on one episode, two movies on the other, everything is cushy, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, this will go well. And then just before I started doing the poll, I realized that there was five movies <laughs> in the franchise, one that I didn't know about, and I started panicking. I was like, I've only got four guests, maybe I could do a solo show, don't really want to do a solo show. And then one man, my knight in shining armor stood up on the internet and said, you know what, Duncan, I will save your show. And I was like, this, this, this fucking guy's awesome. This guy's awesome. Hopefully fate treats him kindly. And then I pulled uh, Slipperway Camp for the survivor out. Um, he has saved the show. He has taken the, the bullet for this show. Literally taken a bullet for this show. Uh, he is one of the hosts over at the Fantastic Exploding Heads Horror Podcast. He also is one of the voices on the ABCs of Hidden Horror. He is my guest this evening talking about one of the worst movies I've seen in a while. Um, it is, of course, the fantastic Dave Z. How are you doing, sir? Hey, buddy. I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And... uh <laughs> This is proof that no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> like, yeah, oh man! Like so, I, like I, truth be told, I tried to watch this movie when I heard about it. Um, now I'm late to Sleepaway Camp franchise. I, I only saw the first one in the last five years, um, and then watched part two afterwards. Had I thought I'd seen part three, turns out I hadn't seen part three didn't know part five existed at all um, and tried to once watch part four and I got about 10 minutes into it and I switched it off because it's fairly bad quality um, and I was like that one day I'll come back to it little did I know that this was going to force me to do it and little did I know how how bad this movie actually is and I know you were joking online with a uh, with uh, Jamie J. Salmons about this, about pulling the, the short straw in this one and how, how bad it was. And I just thought you were like exaggerating. You know that way where people exaggerate online, oh, it's, it's terrible. You sit down, it's actually not as bad. But no, you were right on the money, right on the money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try not to, to talk too much shit about too many horror movies. Mm -hmm. Even if I don't like them, I, I still think that, you know, uh, being such a fan of the genre, I don't like to like, you know, shit on somebody's baby so yeah it's not really my style uh, sometimes it's personal i'm angry like halloween mm -hmm. resurrection for what they did or or jason goes to hell because i'm um, the the fanboy in me is angry so i'll mm -hmm. talk shit about that so in this case yes i mean because i'm a fan of the franchise it's insulting but it's also it's also legitimately that bad <laughs> I'm, it, i don't even know how it got made how legally it got made I, seriously I, yeah, I don't know either. So let, let's 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 get the the what little details we have about this one out of the way. So this one is directed by Jim Markovic. Um, it, it ostensibly appears to be from from what I can read here, there was about thirty minutes of a sequel filmed. Um, ultimately, to release this, they cut it down to about ten minutes of original footage. And then spliced in, wait for it ladies and gents, for those that haven't seen this before, 60 minutes of footage from the first three movies. And they're played out of sync in weird orders and you are you are given 
uh, what is the equivalent of our character who is named Alison, but we're thinking this is, well, it's revealed later on that she might be Angela. Uh, we get a clip of her sitting with some inner monologue, and then we get like about five to ten minutes of footage from other movies, and then we jump back to her, and there's some weird, like she's back at the camp, and she's hunting some people and it's it is it's nonsensical to the point of of head scratching uh, gone are the days of Felissa Rose uh, and Pamela Springsteen we have Carrie Chambers uh, in the role in fact this is a very low cast here Carrie Chambers Victor Campos and John Lodico, I think is how you pronounce that, probably isn't. Synopsis is Alison Kramer suffers recurring nightmares and selective amnesia. She returns to the camp to discover the truth, only to find dark memories coming to life before her very eyes. Now, I'm just going to say, Dave, right up front, that kind of sounds like it would be quite an interesting movie had it been made. <laughs> yeah, right, yes. I mean, you look at the box cover and I think it says something about the secrets of Angela exposed mm-hmm. or something along those lines. And yeah, the description does sound interesting and maybe it could have been if it was a real film. <laughs> if it was actually a movie. So um, but there are three questions that I've been asking my, my guests on this show. Uh, the first one's going to be a doozy, buddy. I, I really can't wait to hear your, uh, <laughs> your answer to this one. What does Sleepaway Camp for the Survivor do right? What does this movie get right? <sighs> okay. <laughs> okay, listen, you may be a little surprised. And I, I, I don't even necessarily want to say it, but I have to be objective on a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I will tell you what. I don't want to give it any credit, but as I'm watching this, yes, it's terrible VHS quality and everything else, but the, the few things it does do right is... Sometimes when you're seeing something in part two or even part three and Angela is talking, she's Mm -hmm. talking about events that happened in previous films and they actually splice those events into like her monologue. You know, like Mm -hmm. at the end of part two, she's talking to um, the cop's father. I forget his name. She goes, how's it going to be? How are you going to do it? And then is is it going to be... Uh, this type of weapon and then yep. they show they cut back to the other films and they even cut back to part one with a different actress with, with Felissa Rose in, in the when Pamela Springsteen's doing it so if mm-hmm. they did any tiny minute thing right it's something that may have actually worked out better had they done it in part two or three with the with you know cutting those scenes in for this flashback yeah yeah I think that this movie is a great highlight reel for the first three movies I think, um, mm-hmm. particularly in, in what you're saying, and I, I agree in that there is something. It's like the first time you watch. Um, I'm going to get this wrong, and I shouldn't because I'll hate myself. It's Friday four that you get the. So Friday three or four, you get the the monologue, which covers the first couple of movies. You know, they're all sitting around the campfire, and the guy tells the story of Jason. I think yeah. it's part four. It is, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's opening a final chapter. It's the, they show Paul's campfire speech from part two. Yes. In there, and they they show the you know the best parts of one through three. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it captures that perfectly, leading into the fourth movie. Yeah. And this movie kind of does like a, a, a kind of elongated version of that, in that it sets up these great highlight reels covering the best elements of the first three movies. So yes. I will, I will agree with you there. That is the only point I'm giving this movie, is that from the archival footage of the previous three movies, it does actually splice together 
a, a pretty cool to the point where I've just went through them and I was like that you know oh that's but I would watch that bit again you know so I, I kind of it kind of made me want to go back and watch those bits again so yeah um next question <laughs> what's the movie yeah. <laughs> okay, well, what's the movie do bad Dave <laughs> <laughs> okay um where wow. to begin <laughs> all right yeah where to begin well you know what the, the fact that that it's all flashbacks from one one through three and it's terrible it looks terrible i mean yeah. the look the sound everything is awful especially now that we have them on blue to go back and look at this is it, it's it's sinful to, to see the way this is presented but it's even more sin- sinful that the new stuff they put in the 10 12 minutes of exposition is it's ridiculous it, it's it's so cheaply shoddily done that you'll see scenes from part one or two or three whichever they're showing and you'll literally hear her say one sentence they'll show this allison girl sitting <laughs> right in a boat or by the by the side of the lake or something and she'll say i remember that day and then <laughs> i'm like what <laughs> what the hell There's a tent on the top of a hill for no reason. Yep. And she says something to the effect of, um, she about attacks were made there. She's mm. talking about a scene in part two where Angela killed somebody, right? Yep. Why would the tent still be there now? <laughs> yeah, and plus, plus, like I've just went through them all. That's not where the tent is. The tent's in the middle no. of the woods. It's not on a cliff. <laughs> no, not at all. Why even do that? <laughs> What are they think? Get, get the fuck out of here. I mean, <laughs> what are they doing? It's one sentence of exposition. Literally, they'll clip, 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 and then, oh, off to camp again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally, these are the lines. Off to camp again. That is what she did. I remember that day. <laughs> and then where's that ranger towards the end? That is it. <laughs> oh, it's, they do... It's, it's, the thing is as well, like, because cause I'd never seen, like, never properly seen it before, and I was coming in, I, like, from seeing the first ten minutes, well, over a year ago, um, I just, like, assumed that those first ten minutes were, like, a long intro to the movie, you know, they were just putting this long, that's not uncommon, I've watched, uh, once again, thinking of, like, the Friday movies, uh, Friday Part 2 starts off with a, you know, a, a run on the, the final scenes of Part 1, um, or thinking of, there's a movie called Revenge of the Boogeyman, where they essentially play a, a good 20 minutes of that first movie, in that movie, I, so I'm not, I'm not unfamiliar with that technique, I've just never seen it so blatantly used, you know, like to, to the point of, right, well, of this full movie that you're getting now, only one eighth is like new footage, and even then, the new footage is almost like, it's like still shots with someone talking over the top of them to to feed the exposition of the, you know, the, the, the kind of back the backstories. It is worth saying that the, the chick that plays um, Alison, uh, Carrie Chambers, is not a good actress. It's like, or, or if she is, she's just not given enough opportunity to do anything. She's very wooden on screen. Her face never changes, even when she is uh, quote unquote attacked um, by the you know the the, the ranger. Um, 
the you know her dialogue is even the dialogue where she's talking in her head isn't like you know like some of you I remember that time you know you, this kind of whimsical thing it's just like you, like you said uh, something bad happened in that tent and you're like what, what, what is what is going on and the quality you are right here that the quality of this footage is horrendous like absolutely horrendous and they've somehow managed to lo-fi the previous films which I actually think are shot surprisingly well considering their budget I think um, the cinematography particularly in part one but mm-hmm. in part two and three they're shot they're not shot like amazing by by the standards but they're shot well um, and somehow it makes them look shit if this was the first movie you watched you wouldn't want to go and check any of the previous movies out if they look like that I mean they look they look horrid so yeah and that's just the, the tip of the iceberg have you got anything else Dave that you think uh, maybe the movie <laughs> well that's a big chunk uh, anything else that maybe the movie doesn't do well I, I, I'm speechless for once I, I mean <laughs> what does it do right I mean we said we tried to say something good that was question yeah. one here we are what does it do I, I, I don't even no I, everything about it is wrong it's exi- it's very existence yeah. is wrong I mean yeah, you don't want to say that, but you kind of do because I don't know. I still don't understand how legally this could have been done. And did you know that this movie, when it first came out on DVD, it was like on Amazon for like $25. Could you Fuck imagine off. spending $25? And guess what? Right now, guess go, go look on Amazon now. It's like $60 because it's out of print, rare. That's, yeah, but like, <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> like, let it be rare. Let it, let it be yeah. so rare that no one owns it. <laughs> You know what they should do, Duncan? They should. You remember how they, <laughs> that when they took those freaking video, those Atari ET video games, and they buried them in the desert? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every copy of this, that's what they should do. <laughs> it's just I, I like I am like I've I grew up like very much like yourself. I grew up watching horror and exploitation movies, and I understand like some of the directors that I have a soft spot for, and I mentioned them already in this episode uh, when I was discussing. Um, the kind of work ethics of some of these directors um, and, and the part 3 episode with Mike Murphy like when I think of people like Jess Franco um, there's a guy who used to hassle producers for money he would hand them fake scripts uh, to get a sizable amount of money not a huge amount but a sizable amount of money and then he would go with that money and make four small movies and turn in one movie back and then keep three movies to sell on. They were all shot back to back in the same location with the same actors, very similar stories. To So you basically make four of the same movie, kinda, and then pedal them out. And there's, there's something kind of renegade and kind of almost endearing about like a 1970s Jess Franco making all these sleazy European movies like in that way to try and maximise the amount of movies he can make to get out. So that's that's like proper exploitation, right? Yeah. This is not at all. It's exploiting fans. It's what it is. It's exploiting people with money who are fans of this series, who enjoy parts one, two, and three, and to coughing up money which should be reserved for for other things to buy something which the almost tar. I mean, on some level, there's almost 
tarnishes the legacy of being a fan because this is purely exploit exploiting fandom for anything else. This is not a movie to get you into Sleepaway Camp. This is a movie that people that are fans of the franchise want to check out. It's a fourth installment. Let's see where it goes. And it, 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 it's a mockery of it. And I, I feel like having watched it today, like it finished. And I, I just thought, oh, thank God that, you know, I wasn't like a super fan of this series. And I, I wasn't aware of these movies when this one came out. Because had I seen this at the time and had I spent $25 on it, um, I would have been so pissed. Like, so, so angry that this is what had been given to me. And, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one. I legally don't know where it stands. I mean, if it's released by the same studio, the studio owns the rights to the footage so you can put it in. But I don't think a studio... I think this was put out on a... Maybe a Magnet put this one out. And Magnet are certainly not the distributor of the studio behind the first three movies. So how there's never been a lawsuit... <laughs> Yeah. Anywhere down the lines here for use of footage and breach of copyright is a uh, is kind of beyond me. I, d- I don't understand. I don't understand how that's happened. No. It's just a shit movie, man. Honestly, even the even the practical effects at the end where the cop is beside the, the corpse and the and the the camp is just like what are we doing here? <laughs> you know what that is. You know what that corpse is. No. <laughs> That's a superimposed head on top of um, TC from part two. (laughs) (laughs) I shit you not. I've seen that movie enough to know the still, to see the shots. (laughs) Fucking hell. How? I I cannot understand how this happens. What? It's like, what if Friday the 13th part five, they could have done the same shit. All you got to do is recycle parts one through four, have Mm -hmm. Tommy in the beginning, you know, and then maybe a flashback of uh, what's his name, uh, the ambulance driver and the son getting killed, and then have the reveal at the end. Okay, there's Friday the Thirteenth Five. It, they would have yeah. got their asses sued off. Oh right? God, of course, yeah, yeah, you would have been, yeah, they would have been in. We would still be talking about the infamous litigation course uh, case ah. against. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's mind blowing, man. Honestly, and. The further the movie went on, the more I was just perplexed as to how it exists. I mean, I, d- I don't understand how this exists. I don't understand how anyone thought it was okay to put it out. I don't understand how Magnet, who are generally quite a reputable distributor, would want to have their name associated with it. I've went online, this director here, the only other thing he actually did uh, with being a producer and an editor and other things um, is... A Bruce Lee documentary from 1973, um, and yeah, he did the production footage for the movie, uh, which was spliced yeah. in. That is literally it. I don't even know if this guy. I get a feeling that this director didn't actually piece together all the stuff. It looks like someone else did. Um, so yeah, I, I, I legitimately don't know. It, it says a lot when IMDb. The best that they can get for trivia is. This movie was never completed. It was compiled of the 30 plus minute shot and outtakes uh, from the other sequels. That is literally all it says on IMDb. Uh, I'll, uh, listen, I'll go a step further. This was released. All the scene, all the new scenes that we that are spliced in here, you know, with Allison, this there was something that came out in the early 2000s. It was a DVD box set. It was called the um because I had it. It was called the Sleepaway Camp Survival Kit and there were mm-hmm. DVDs, part 1, part 2, part three and then there was a bonus disc and it says 
uh, scenes shot for the upcoming movie Sleepaway Camp for the Survivor. So those scenes were on the disc. So some poor bastard bought the Sleepaway Camp survival kit, right? Got yep. those extra scenes, and then this came out and bought it and got the same. Got <laughs> basically, his paid box for that set. again. Yeah. Oh no. It, it's ridiculous. I, oh, it's so so bad. So. Is, so my next question, the last question is, and this one should be interesting, is in the the canon of Sleepaway Camp. Um, where does this one stack up? I mean, what does it commit any cardinal sins? Does it does it keep in, is it keeping with the tone of the movies? Does it does it do anything, uh, which is you know, well I was going well, can scrap the one where I said that it doesn't do anything good for the franchise because it doesn't. Um, but but yeah, this is the worst one by far. Oh, dude, it, it it doesn't even count. Let me, okay, let me yeah. put it to you this way. When I opened my mouth on, 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 uh, on, on the group page, mm-hmm. here's what I... If you would have said, I'm covering um, Sleepaway Camp 1, Sleepaway Camp 2, Sleepaway Camp 3, and Return to Sleepaway Camp, I never would have raised my head from, hand from the back of the class and said, <laughs> oh, you forgot Sleepaway Camp 4, The Survivor. <laughs> I promise you, I would not have said that. But you forgot Return to Sleepaway Camp, and yep, I didn't even know it existed. I didn't know Return to Sleepaway Camp existed at all. And they're going to hear about that next. And I, you know, there's different. I'm not going to say it's great, but by no means is anything near, nearly as putrid of an abomination of a film as this is. I mean, this is. I never would have said anything, Duncan. So. <laughs> I, we we covered this franchise episode 15 on exploding heads mm-hmm. and there is one film ever that we have like the hall of fame depending on the ratings you know if it's 28 points or higher it's hall of fame and then mm-hmm. we had to come up with the opposite when we created something called the hall of lame so this <laughs> in over two years this is the only movie that we rated so low as to be yeah. the, in the hall of lame so i mean what else can you say it's we and when we covered it on uh for our franchise review, I think we talked about it for five minutes. We said, yeah, yeah, this sucks. It's bullshit. Not even a movie. <laughs> Move on. One out of ten. You know what I mean? That was it. <laughs> well, well that, sw- that swings us comfortably to the, the last thing I need to ask you, Dave. As you know fine well, having been a, a former guest host under the stairs, that we do old school Netflix grades here, which is less about the, the technicalities of how well a movie is actually shot or produced, etc. But it goes more on a feeling. How does a movie make you feel? Um... It's one hated it, two didn't like it, three really liked it, um, and sorry, one like oh, I can't even do them now. That's how bad this movie is. It's one hated it, two didn't like it, three liked it, four really liked it, and five loved it. Knowing that you can do point fives here, and um, not that I often put it on the table, but there is a zero fuck this movie, which which has been used twice on my show. And the full time it's existed, and I kind of feel sorry for the movies that got that because I hadn't seen this one by then, and I kind of feel like the movies that got that are better than this, so that maybe is no longer applicable. What what would you give us a grade to Superway Camp for the Survivor? <laughs> yeah, okay. Now that you give me the permission, because I yeah. didn't remember that, but yeah, zero fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel really like. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Zero fuck this movie. Um, I, I like, yeah, I can't even remember what the two movies are that have had that grade, but they are infinitely better than this, and I may have to one day 
revisit and regrade those movies. <laughs> but, <laughs> just by comparison, it can't be as bad as this. So it's yeah, I think by... this is the, the the low point. I think this is the epitome of a fuck this movie. And unless a movie makes me feel or, or is like this movie, I don't think we can use that grade again. Um, like I said at the start, you have a couple of fantastic shows. I'm I'm a big fan of what you're doing currently over on Exploding Heads. And um, it's always a delight to hear you guys uh, shed a bit of light on some movies that people aren't always talking about, not even in podcasts, but just in general conversation over on the EBCs of Hidden Horror. So this is the point of the show that you get to plug your efforts, sir, uh, and let us know what we can look forward to on both of those shows. Okay, well, Exploding Heads, uh, I believe you said this comes out Monday, so... It does indeed. All right, well, we have a big, big show coming out today, episode 50 which is the top 50 slashers. And it's a show where literally it's about a year in the making uh, between the three of us, three hosts, we watched over 200 slashers between us combined. And to come up with the, the best possible list that we can come up with, and we each list our top 50 slashers. And it ends up coming in at a whopping seven and a half hours. It's uh, <laughs> insane, but amazing. It, it, it is. I mean, <laughs> we didn't plan on that. When you sit down to do a show, I figured four or five hours, but whatever. I mean, so that's coming out today. It's probably the, the, the longest show I'll, I'll ever be a part of. But. <laughs> You know, we really, really put a lot into it, so I hope people, you know, give it a give it a listen. And um, ABC's a hidden horror. We just come back, and we're back with a vengeance. We're going to be coming out with shows uh, twice a month, as was originally intended. And O, letter O, should be coming up next. Um, nice. Yeah, and we are doing uh, the orphanage, orphan, and what's the third movie? Um, the others. So oh, that should excellent. Yeah, that should be coming out any day now as well. So, yep. So we'll be moving along. I mean, 51 is going to be next for Exploding Heads, Christmas, and then end of the year special. And then ABCs is alphabetical. So next is P. And, you know, <laughs> that's how that, that gimmick works in case you don't know. <laughs> <the> alphabetical. So <laughs> It's fantastic. Right. Can I just once again thank you very much for not only taking the bullet because you you really did draw the, the short straw this one and I, I feel indebted to you so much so that uh, you sir have a free pass to choose any movie that you want to come back on and review on this show whenever you want so you just you wow. just drop me a line and you're welcome back whenever and we will cover absolutely fucking anything wow really thanks yeah I dude I'm, I'm just happy to be here I mean even if it is to come on and, and talk shit about a putrid movie like this one it's just <laughs> You know, we're in this for fun. We have a blast, and, and coming on here is—it's always a good time. So I'm—I'm I'm just happy to uh, to be here, even if it is under these circumstances. And yes, I will take you up. And I mean, you come up with ideas constantly, so mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll come up with something, some concepts for a month-long, you know, uh, <laughs> series of shows. And then I'll raise my hand this time and say, "Okay, should I dare the roulette again?" I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to see. But I, I don't know. I think the I think the next one's going to be at the next poll are, are for longer franchises. So I think Wrong Turn, uh, Puppet Master, and at least one other franchise of long length. Maybe Saw. I know that you've done Saw before, so maybe the Saw franchise oh. ends up in there as well. And we'll see where the people land. Unfortunately, the listeners of the show tend to opt for the the ones that they know are going to cause pain. Uh, to, to the hosts, so it could very well end up being that wrong term franchise. Um, 
so be warned <laughs> before I'll, you put I'll, your hand I'll, up. I'll, I'll wait. I'll, I'll hold off until Saw. I'll, I'll hold off until it's something that I know, even if I'm <laughs> on a bad one, I'll be okay. Because I've never even seen Wrong Turn. I mean, I think I watched an... Um, which one did I do for? I think number three for a Jump the Shark episode. Yeah. But I haven't seen anything past past three and Puppet Master. I think I stopped at four, and I have no need to uh, torture <laughs> myself that way. <laughs> yeah, life's too short, man. Life yeah. is too short. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you once again, Dave. I'm gonna take my uh, another break for this uh, this episode, and when I come back, it's Return to Sleepaway Camp with my final guest host, the. The, the very brash, very cocky, but always entertaining Jerry Heron from Kill the Cast oh, is up next, which uh, I've already recorded it and people should know in advance it's a fucking hoot. So yeah, so I'm going to be right back to do that after promos for shows that I love and the trailer. I'm going to be right back to do it right after this. All right, all right. Welcome to the Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast. Oh, Dave, Dave. Oh, what? the phone there, man. This isn't a show. It's a promo. Oh, sorry. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. Wait, a, a porno? With just the three of us? Oh. Well, I guess I'm game if you guys are. No, no, no you idiot. A promo. Oh, promo. I, I knew that. I was just cracking wise. Okay, can we do this now? Ah, wait. Looks like I lost my notes. What are we going to do? Of course. Okay, look. I'll, I'll handle this. All right, everybody. I'm Christian. You may know me from TJF13. This guy over here. That's Dave Z. You may know him from Banana Laser, The Skeleton Crew, the ABCs of Hidden Horror. And this guy, this guy over here, that's Brandon. That's Brandon? That's it? That sucks, man. Yeah, what the hell's with that? There's nothing else you can say? No, not really. Well, he's quick with a joke. Or a light of your smoke. But there's someplace that I'd rather be. Ah, who cares about us? Let's say something about the cast. Okay, cool. We're the Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast. We review, dissect, critique, and make fun of horror movies new and old. Sounds a little bit cliche, but I guess it's okay. Dave, why don't you tell them a little bit about some of our big shows, like the 40 Years of Horror, our Top 50 Slashers, even our classic format of pairing a new and an old movie together. Yeah, and how I have to edit like three, four-hour shows twice a month just because we watch and review so damn much. Yeah, and how we do feature-length reviews, shorter-length, round-robin reviews, Top 20 Topics, and a lot of fun interaction with listeners. That about covers it. All right, sounds good, guys. I knew we could do it. Tell the fine folks out there where to find us, Dave. Oh, yeah. Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast can be found on Horrorophilia.com, the Horrorophilia Network, LegionPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere that fine podcasts are heard. All right, that's a wrap. Now, guys, tell me, what's the deal with this uh, porno? Are you the caboose or the engine? Them's the jokes, folks. <laughs> Stop it! 
And welcome back. So this is the final movie, the last movie in this Sleepaway Camp Russian Roulette franchise retrospective. Now, let's be honest, uh, if you follow me on Facebook, you will know that I did not know this movie existed until the day of the draw. And then I panicked a little bit and um, our, our good friend Dave Z stood up and took the bullet and ultimately took the bullet big time because he had to do part four. But Return to Sleepaway Camp was a movie I didn't even know existed. Uh, I had not a clue about it at all. And um, by by some stroke of master luck out there, my, uh, my selected host on Russian Roulette Retrospective franchise looking at Sleepaway Camp is in the same boat as me. Now, he is making his debut on the podcast Under the Stairs. And to say that I am excited for this one would be an understatement. I come across this guy's podcast about six months ago through the Skeleton Crew. Uh, he is one of of several shows kind of leading the charge uh, in the wake of um, the Skeleton Crew over on Horophilia Network. But this guy is... Uh, I think this might be the hardest bromance podcast crush I've ever had. Everything about this guy is just on point. And then... One day we found out we have a mutual love for every time I die. And then I knew it was fate. Unfortunately, I'm married. So we're, we're in the middle of a, a long divorce process. So I can then finally go across to America, marry my guest host, get my green card and live happily ever after. But until that time happens, allow me to just, uh, introduce on this show for the first time, Jerry Herring from Kill the Cast. Jerry, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great, and uh, I've figured out solutions to this whole marriage thing. Uh-huh. See, y'all can get divorced and still stay together. We can make this like a Manson-like commune <laughs> because I'm engaged, so I've yet to be married. So I don't have to I don't have to go to a divorce. So y'all divorce, mm -hmm. and right now, gay marriage is legal in America. Yes. I can marry you. You get your green card. Your wife marries my fiance. She gets her green card, and then... Bam, we all live in a giant commune style, and then somehow we convince Baz to move out of Scotland to America. <laughs> uh, and, and this this and this could happen. This could happen. I, you, listen, I, you have literally just given this five seconds thought before you opened your mouth, and I'll tell you right now, it's better than my three months of planning. Right? So you, I, you, <laughs> I like that uh, you think that I just came up with that and have been plotting it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, right? Like I say, like, this is this is cool because this year I've managed to to get quite a few new reviewers from different podcasts on, and uh, me and you've been chatting now for a, a good couple of months, and we're going like, yeah, I need to get your podcast under the stairs, right? Uh, what we're going, I'll get at some point, right? I'm doing my top ten. It'll be after the top ten, and then I'm doing the Basvi Halloween, right? So we'll do it after that, and then by luck. Uh, I decided to do another one of these, and you're a very brave man, Jerry, because you, you just you just walked right in there, and you put your you you literally put your podcast dick on the table and said, "I want to be the first person that you think about when you do your next retro and sleepaway camp come up," and I was like, "Yeah, Jerry's Jerry's in like Flynn," and um, you landed return to sleepaway camp from the the random selection, 
And you were just telling me just before you recorded, you'd never seen this movie before either. Had had never seen it. And the funny thing is, is I I just met Felissa Rose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did that. I, I even did that whole video and got her to say goodbye to the skeleton crew. I did see that. Yeah. So and you know what? All the talking me and her did that weekend, and we talked a lot. She remembers my she remembered my name. I was over at Caroline Williams' table saying hi to her, and she was like, "Caroline, that's Jerry. He's so cool." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's right, Felissa Rose. You know my name." <laughs> but you know what? She doesn't bring up this fucking movie at all mm, that, that, that may, uh, that's kind of interesting maybe a precursor to maybe some of what we're going to see um, so yeah this is customary on my show when anyone is making their debut appearance that I have to ask them a couple of questions uh, the first question as always is uh, what's your background in horror what is it that you like subgenres where do you find yourself gravitating towards are you a slasher guy are you big into the psychological stuff is it ghost movies only is it j-horror where's your niche jerry uh it's mostly uh porn but uh (laughs) so no uh i'm huge into creature features when i was a a kid uh here in america there was a rental store called blockbuster oh yes we had it for a while over here as well yeah yeah, so back in the in the early 90s, they did a thing called Kid Prints where you would bring your kid in and they would record and it was like you they would record a video of them interviewing your kid. So if your kid ever got kidnapped, they could put that video out and people could see what you look like, hear what you sound like, all that. Uh-huh. So of course then being a movie place, they ask you what your favorite movie is. And at uh 4 years old, I tell them my favorite movie is Jaws. Wow. So I have always been big into horror, and Jaws is kind of my birth into loving creature features. I, I absolutely, especially natural creature features, uh, sharks, alligators, piranhas, snakes, that that subgenre, I love. I hate where it's become because I don't like this whole Sharknado make fun of everything. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. mind when it, was, when it was still being serious, but it was so bad it was good. Uh-huh. But I hate this. Now we're in on the joke thing. Yeah. I can't stand it. Yeah. I want my, my fucking sharks to eat people in all seriousness. Even if it's shitty like Shark Attack 2, I want it to be serious. Yeah, I think I and I'm, I kind of go through phases with, with creature features. And it's actually a whole subgenre which has been woefully undercovered um, in podcasts under the stairs. And I think it's because I go through little spats of really wanting to watch them and I, I you know you get a good handful especially that stuff that was coming out you know mid to late 70s early 80s um when, when you know america just decided that they were just going to be a boss and start doing tons of things like you know food of the gods or like uh, a, a little bit of grizzly or orca have you ever seen orca yeah so we did we so- we did it recently for the 70s thing and Jerry, I'll be honest, I'd never seen it before and I sat down and I was blown away by how good that was for a movie that is ostensibly, now, you know, okay. ripping off another movie. So I thought it was fucking amazing. Now picture this. What do you think Baz's reaction to the the fetus would be <laughs> if, you, if you did a Baz v. Orca? Like... Since I've been listening to, to, to the Baz versus Horror shows, the number one thing I want now is for him to watch Orca. Because just thinking about how he's going to explain this movie <laughs> is going to be fucking gold. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I get like, oh, like if there's, 
I was actually really sad when y'all said y'all weren't going to do a Patreon because I was sitting there with money just ready to be like, I'm going to fucking... There is no way I'm not going to make fucking Baz watch Orca. I mean, it might happen. We are always, we are always as a podcast, looking of new ways to, to get Baz to watch movies. And Creature Features is a subgenre that has not been done with the Baz yet. Um... And to be honest with you, it is one that we are kind of, we've been floating some ideas about for next year, uh, but locking down what movies would be selected hasn't you know, oh, been made. Dude, I can, so. I can give you a list of like the good ones, the ones that are kind of right in the middle, and then the ones you just, you're going to, you're not going to get anything away except for just Baz ranting. <laughs> about how fucking terrible it is <laughs> I look forward to receiving that list Jerry um, but like I said earlier you also you're you're a busy man in the, in the podcast world as well because you, you have a, a number of projects to be honest with you your projects are really fucking cool and they involve some of my favourite podcasters out there uh, your main one Kill the cast. It's been going it's about a year and a half now, isn't it? Two years. This is uh, we're, uh, I don't know when this will come out but as of November it is our we are doing our two-year anniversary show i was actually editing that show earlier today uh-huh so we're two years that's amazing man congratulations appreciate it we're i'm trying to i'm trying to hit that those big spans like y'all and skeleton crew y'all get yeah. those big anniversaries yeah well d- d- you've heard me talk about it before and we have similar entries in the, in the podcast when it comes to to shows like the skeleton crew who you know, had been going, I think, a full year by the time I uh, I found them, uh, like, in my podcast feed. And th- that was the inspiration for me to start doing something myself. And it's it's so cool that I you get to interact with other podcasts that have had a similar journey that you've had in, in terms of coming up. And, um, yeah, I just, I think Kill the Cast is fucking wicked. Uh, I think you guys have a really cool way of reviewing where it's, it's super fun. I mean, I mean, some of the... So some of the one-liners on that show are absolutely amazing. Um, like how it has me creasing myself at my work. Um, but you you've got a great selection of movies. You cover a lot of the, very much like myself. You're not like right. This is we are a slasher cast that will only do slasher movies. You you cover the breadth of stuff and you do you do things in a really cool way. And it's it's one of those shows that by about the second episode of listening to I was just like, right, yeah, yeah, it feels like I'm just listening to my buddies talk, so I, I love that. But you, you're also doing some cool other projects as well. One which has been running for quite a while now with Alex Edwards from The Skeleton Crew, which is a, a Married With Children podcast, which that show made its way over to the UK, not in a big way, mind you, but, it, you know, it, people know who Al Bundy is and who Peg was and all the rest. Um, had you always been a fan of that TV show before doing that, or was that an excuse for you to start kind of brushing up on that tv show as you went along so i was in the middle i had seen the show as a kid uh i know the characters i know i can quote i can quote some episodes but i hadn't seen everything yeah like i had seen enough to know how things go but not enough like not like alex alex has literally seen everything over and over (laughs) and over he is the real life al bundy like that that like We'll, we'll be talking about something and he will have a story about him and like his sister Jen doing the exact same shit. So I'm right in the middle as to where like Alex is the expert and JP has seen nothing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I am luckily right in the middle and no one had done Married with Children. 
Yeah. The, like everyone had done like an episode or maybe like a series overview, but there was no dedicated podcast. And for Kill the Cast, like I don't like to do expected things. So we for Christmas, instead of doing Christmas stuff like most podcasts do, I came up with the idea, well, let's do Halloween sitcom episodes <laughs> yeah. for our Christmas show. And we did Married with Children, Roseanne and Martin. And Alex heard the Married with Children and was like, and it like subconsciously kicked something in his brain to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so he put out a thing, who wants to do this? And I was like, here's my resume. I just did this. Here's my whole, I mean, I've already been talking to Alex. Like we, we were cool and friends by this time anyway. But after that, it, it blew up and it, it worked. Working with Alex is great because I was on like five episodes of Skeleton Crew for their last year. Yeah. Because of it. Yeah, it's so cool, man. So, so cool. I, I love that guy. I think he's amazing. His work ethic at times is fucking daunting. Um, and yeah, so, so, so much cool stuff. And then you find yourself, unfortunately, under the stairs with me uh, looking at Return to Sleepaway Camp, the final movie in this uh, Russian Roulette franchise retrospective. And I'm going to let the listeners in to a little secret. This is the first movie review that I'm recording. So I'm doing this kind of... Uh, as we would say in Scotland, arse from elbow, um, in terms of the order. But uh, we we've got we've got a bit to do on this one, and we're going to follow the same kind of review style, the same sort of question layout that we've done for all the other reviews uh, thus far in our Russian Roulette retrospective. So let's uh, let's let's take the plunge once more into the breach, dear friends. Uh, Return to Sleepaway Camp, two thousand and eight. Uh, written and directed by the OG of Sleepaway Camp, Robert Hiltzik. I think that's how you pronounce that name. Probably not, because I am Scottish. Uh, this one stars Vincent Pastor, a.k.a. Big Pussy. Um, love me some Sopranos. Uh, Michael Gibney, uh, Paul D'Angelo, uh, Jonathan Tirsten uh, is back in here as R- Ricky Thomas. Uh, Isaac, he- uh, Isaac Hayes, well, hello, children, is Charlie the Chef. Uh, Lenny, Lenny Benito the, the names man honestly the, the names uh, other folks are in here I'm going to skip through quite a lot there may be or may not be a certain uh, <clears throat> cameo by one Felissa Rose but we'll, uh, we'll we'll get to that later on synopsis for this one uh, Camp Manabi is where kids torment each other but people soon start turning up dead which is spot on that's exactly what happens in this movie Um yeah, neither one is uh, neither one of us had seen this before. So let me kick off the conversation to you, Jerry. What did you like about Sleepaway? Well, sorry. What did you like about Return to Sleepaway Camp? I liked, I liked a lot of the kills. Mm. They actually did do some decent, inventive kills. I'm not sure how the killer got around to doing all of those in this <laughs> short span of time. Like. But he certainly fucking did, and he can he can skin a fucking body oh, yeah. so quick, <laughs> like like as fucking artwork. You see those videos of like sh- top chefs who can just like fucking murder a carrot in two seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is that killer is that chef. That killer can just sit there and fucking. Well, you see, if you start chopping with a 90 degree angle right here on the rib cage, you can peel this flesh back in, in three seconds flat. And I'm just like, well, fuck. Okay, sure. Um, I, I love the camp. 
I actually, the, this camp, which is filled with fucking assholes. Oh, yeah. Which is also my belief that uh, uh, kids are assholes in general. <laughs> yeah. I had true. at the beginning of this movie that it wasn't going to be like that because the only bully was the fat kid. And I was like, okay, they're going with the generic fat kid is the bully. And there's the one nerd kid. And then there's the three other kids that are like, 14 with her shirt off and have better abs than I'll ever have. And I'm yep. fucking pissed. Uh, and and, and the bully comes in and I'm like, why don't you three just beat the shit out of the bully? Yeah. Like you, like y'all have got muscles. Y'all can throw some fit. Like Ricky from the original, he was smaller than everyone. And he was ready to throw down at any fucking moment. <laughs> and these guys just let this, this, the fat dude, beat up all over them but i will say this while there is really no likable fucking characters in this movie yeah they are fucking hilarious to me whether it's them pranking fat boy by rolling up cow shit in weed yeah (laughs) them de-pantsing him which the de-pantsing scene where they actually undress him behind the stage Mm mm-hmm when he's getting his pants taken off, if that is not the the best Jaws ripoff scene I have ever fucking seen, <laughs> I don't know what is. Because it looks just like the chick in the beginning of the movie getting fucking thrown around the water. I was just sitting there like, how did, I, who sat around, and, like, was this on purpose? Did someone purposely go, look, Robert, I, I got this fucking idea for how we can do the pants him. And it, it's great. It, do you remember Jim Carrey in Ace Material when he was throwing around the tank? Yes. We're going <laughs> to top that. We're it's not, not Snowflake! <laughs> yeah, no water, no fucking sharks, none of that shit. Just underage kids undressing. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, uh, I, obviously, there's spoilers in this mm-hmm. because fuck you. If, if you haven't seen this movie, well, I'm really proud of you. Uh, <laughs> the, you might not the, have known it existed like me. <laughs> yeah, I knew it existed. I just never watched it. I, there's just no... There's so many things to watch. There, There's Carnosaur sequels I can watch. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to watch those instead of Sleepaway Camp sequels. I've seen two and three. That's, that's about as far as I needed to go. Mm-hmm. But here I get dragged in. But I do also like how there are clear-cut references to the first one. Look at um, Mickey, the first guy to actually die. Yeah. He is a cook. And then look at this. The main chef is a black guy, followed by, who's really nice, and his main assistant is a creepy white guy who also tried to corner a girl. Now, not a little, not a little tiny girl. He, he quartered Karen, who is very very stacked in the top end mm-hmm. so he's not a pedophile <laughs> exactly kind of i don't know how old these kids are <laughs> hard to tell um but that they are the exact same fucking people from the first movie mm-hmm. and then the kill that he gets is boiling grease instead of boiling water I actually like th- those throwbacks, and there's a couple of them. Uh, you look at when, um, not, what's his fucking name? He's from the, Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Ronnie 
starts acting like Mel in the first movie, where Mel is convinced that Ricky did it, and here Ronnie is convinced that this chick Petey did it, who after that scene just disappears from the movie. She yeah. never shows back up. You never fucking see her. I was like, we're not going to go anywhere with that? Really? <laughs> like, she's like the only good person in this whole camp. She gets accused of being a bad person and then just fucking gone. Fucking weird. Yeah, she's like, I'm done. How dare you? Um, I like how they show that the kid who has this kid, Alan, who has problems, who's a bully, who's also getting bullied. You never, every time you start to feel bad for him, he does something shitty. Like, yeah, uh, he does or, or he does something shitty and then something bad happens to him. Like he basically holds a croquet game hostage so that stacked Karen will go to his secret spot with him. But she's like, I'm only coming if there's another chick. And it, it, he's got to be in his mind like, yes, two <laughs> bitches for the price of one. And so right after he does this douchebag thing, he goes out in the woods and I'm already pissed at him. And I'm just like, I fucking hope CJ Graham is in this woods. Or... <laughs> Graham from from Friday is in this woods, so you get fun killed. But instead, he gets just destroyed by paintballs, mm-hmm. and you feel bad for him again. And then he goes and does some more shit that you just like, fucking hate him. So I actually like that. I I fucking love that the kid who is the bully you're supposed to feel bad for is a, he's a bully. He's not a bully. He is the bully. It's the whole fucking thing. I love it. Uh, what else can you like in this movie besides, like I said, there's good kills, there's creative kills. Uh, everyone's yeah, an asshole. That's kind of yeah. Like from, from from my viewing, like like I said, first viewing for me last night, and I sat down and watch it, and I like how I like how mean it gets towards really unlikable characters, and I think you you touched on it. I think it's, it's a great point. This movie really goes out its way for you to not like these kids, you know, like at all. There's there, none of them at all um, are are what I would call particularly nice people. And, um, and you know, once once the movie gets its groove um, going of the of the kills, it, you know, it's quick to, to the point that you're right. How how our killer gets from from one place killing one person to the other as quick um, is is a bit is a bit Jason Voorhees esque, but um, you know it's a slasher movie. We can we can roll with that. And some of the dialogue at times did make the, the juvenile part of me did have a chuckle at some of the some of the the, the kind of dialogue between some of the kids, um, which I thought, or even good. some of the adults, like yeah. when when uh, the sheriff goes to see. Ricky and Ricky's like knock yourself out deputy dog and I'm like really yeah <laughs> you fucking blonde hair construction worker you look like a fucking shitty uh knockoff version of the village people <laughs> you're gonna you're just gonna drop deputy dog like that it's so weird as well because like when you think about this they don't I don't think implicitly pin down exactly when the date of this movie is but it has there's a couple of things about the movie that kind of stuck out to me is one it feels very trauma-esque you know I mean? to me this this could fit comfortably in a trauma back catalog just in the way it's scripted and it's if, shot yeah, if trauma had made family f- films like their version of family films it would be this because there's no nudity yes there's no huge over sexualization mm-hmm. 
Um, like they're they don't like that's the one thing I was actually impressed. They they really don't try to uh, put a lot like a lot of sexualization on these kids. There's no kids trying to really fill each other up like you had in the first movie or anything like that. There's a panty raid. There's reference to like spin the bottle and yeah. calling a kid blowjob, but there's no over sexualization in this movie, which I was actually kind of thrown off because even the one adult couple of the the british guy and his chick uh her name was lynn i think his name was randy randy and lynn like that's about the the biggest sexual part of this whole movie which gives a, a whole new meaning to to hang them high boys yeah <laughs> i think another thing that kind of st stuck out to me was just how like aged this movie looked as well and I, I know trauma movies at times have that you know constantly aiming for that kind of 80s aesthetic but this this movie did feel weirdly out of place even even when you think about what was coming out circa 2008 or even franchise wise it kind of felt like an interesting installment um in here uh, in, in terms of what they were doing and for the most part, I mean, like, for the most part, I, I didn't particularly like this movie. I know we have slightly different opinions. We're going to move into what we didn't like uh, in a second. I, I, I would be hard pushed to say that I would ever recommend this movie to anyone uh, unless you were a completist and you'd started watching your Sleepaway Camp movies, then you kind of have to. But um, I, I'd be hard pushed to say that I really liked it. That's not to say that it isn't without some charms. And I think we've we've kind of touched on them, but let's 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 turn that attention, Jerry, to to what did not work in Return to Sleepaway Camp. What what do you think uh, kind of let the movie down? Um, the fact that it kept reminding me that new metal was a thing. <laughs> um, all the fucking guys are are dressed in one of one of two ways. All these the, like main group of cool bully kids, either a hundred percent look like they are about to start quoting uh you can't see california without marlo brando's eyes to you <laughs> or hell yes their parents take them to abercrombie and finch how dare you suggest that they shop at old navy that is what you get in this fucking movie even they like even like the the there's two black girls in this movie one of them is a bigger one they go out of their way to like make her be ghetto light mm -hmm. she's wearing the like fucking full uh like fucking fubu fucking suits that are like weird not like furry not, but not like fur do you know what i'm talking about here like the shit she was wearing in the cabin right before she died yes i do indeed yeah yeah the, i don't know how to describe it but that was like super fucking popular in like 2004 or something which i I guess was still popular in 2008 when they made this. I don't remember because of drugs, but <laughs> nonetheless, uh, I fucking, I, I, I just don't get how, like, even for a slasher movie, this character fucking gets around and sets up traps fast at the end of this movie. Like, there's, when, when Randy and Lynn die, how the, okay, this killer she was okay literally right before that scene 
the girls leave the cabin to go get ice cream and the killer steps in that classic foot shot to be like he was in the room the whole time and it's like where the fuck was he hiding it's not like <laughs> he like like it's not like they fully got out there was like 30 seconds and then it appeared by the time his foot hit the floor you could still see them mm-hmm. the door wasn't even fucking closed and so I'm assuming it's then that he went ahead and set up all the nails under the bed, then had to go to the pumping house, which they had to take a Jeep to get to. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess he fucking ran like Uwe Bolt to the fucking pump house, had rope, and had already made a, a tiny dick noose out of fishing line <laughs> this <laughs> tied tied the fishing line to the fucking jeep pulled down barbed wire went and set that barbed wire up on trees uh i don't know 400 feet away or some shit and then came back went and waited for her to walk away and she has not been gone long enough for this to fucking any of this to actually happen Lynn finally walks away. She, you, he uses rope to tie because he uses rope for fucking everything. Mm-hmm. Ties the person up, and does drops the noose down from the fucking tree. Tie okay, so ties him up, climbs up the tree, drops the noose down. Has the lasso ability of the last fucking John Wayne cowboy smoking Marlboro Red you've ever seen. <laughs> Lassos the dick. Let's it go, runs, and then I guess just leaves, runs all the way back to the camp, uh, hangs out in the, I can't remember if, if he does the fucking broomstick through the hole first, or if he does the jumping on the bed first, but I think it's the broomstick. I think, he does yeah, the, I think you're right. I think, so he goes under this fucking place and has a broomstick. I'm going to give him the shadow of doubt. He sharpened this broomstick a day ago or something and had this already down there. He had this set. He knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And he shoots the shit up and misses and fucks up someone's porno magazine, which, by the way, <laughs> dick move. As a teenager, it's very hard to get porno magazines back then. <laughs> so, wow, you're an asshole. And uh, the kid, another kid comes in covered in panties, and he's like, no, you got to look in this hole. There's a glory hole down here. And even though a sharp stick that I've already looked down there and clarified is there tried to stab me, let's keep looking in this fucking hole. (laughs) So he finally gets stabbed and he runs around all fucking dumb until he hits a fucking wall because I guess he forgot how to see out of the other eye Mm -hmm. and fully kills himself. Effect actually looked good. I liked it. I'll give him that. But then the killer runs all the way back to the girl's cabin climbs up there and this is when you go there's no way it's fucking alan i didn't think it was alan to begin with yeah but there's no way that fat fuck climbed all the way up to the top of this fucking cabin (laughs) at all goes all the way up there and then waits for it to come in then jumps fucking down okay and then runs all the way out there to skin the other little boy but the point is is they're there's a point where I have to go, I wouldn't even give Jason Voorhees, if Kane Hodder played him, this much fucking imagination. Yeah. I can't. It's too, it's too fucking much. Like, yeah. since it, it works, is insane. It is insane. When you, when you start, when you start mapping it out, it even, even, even stretching 
to the realms of some of the more supernatural stuff. I do, you know, just it, it gets ludicrous. Like, it helps with the pacing. The pacing in this movie is pretty good. There are times where you do get annoyed at the characters and you're just like, come come the fuck on. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get some shit started. But it just seems like that that's too much. I almost wish they would have done like Sleepaway Camp did and had a kill, then some actual story, mm-hmm. then a kill, some actual character development. But it throws all of that to the side by having a fucking ludicrous story. And I mean, Sleepaway Camp... You have to, to to give away a little bit with the fucking crazy aunt, mm-hmm. but you do because it's so good. It works. The twist works. Everything yeah. about Sleepaway Camp fucking works. And I don't know what Robert was thinking when he was like, I'm going to do it again, but on fucking crack. Yeah, it's, it, there's there's something very maniacal in terms of the approach. Um, while you were chatting about the, you, you got me thinking, you, you started mentioning about fashion sense and the, and I was like, yeah, it did kind of look a bit dated the more you mentioned it. Um, and I remember I had heard a rumour when I announced that I'd never heard of this movie before. So I very quickly jumped to confirm it. And yeah, this movie was shot in 2003. And then Yeah, see, there you go. Yeah, Fucking... So that makes sense then. When you're thinking about kind of the new metal fashion, uh, specifically what that chick was wearing, that'd be circa that time, late 90s, early 2000s. So yeah, that, that makes sense. Does not make sense in 2008. Um, yeah. Because by then we'd moved on. Uh, so, so yeah, totally that, that totally makes sense. Yeah, and then the other thing, I remember reading about how, like, one of the reasons it took so long is because they weren't satisfied with the CG. Yeah. And I'm like, that, so, but I, I don't feel like there were tons of CG in this movie. I didn't notice a lot. But besides the weed getting set on fire... Which I have to say, I love that they put the, the drugs are for idiots on his fucking mouth yeah. sticker. That was actually pretty funny. But besides that, was that really the only fucking scene you were worried about? Because the CGI <laughs> for that, yeah, that was bad. But I wouldn't have postponed the movie for six fucking years just for that. It's not really, not really all that fucking called for. The fire uh, doesn't look right, though. The fire yeah. doesn't look right. I don't know. I feel like this fucking... This kid should just burn a little bit better. And it's like... Yeah, but that's going to take another two years. I don't yeah. give a shit. Better fire. Like, fuck you. It's, it's it's, just unneeded. Yeah, it's weird. So yeah, I think if we're pointing out things that don't that don't necessarily work yet... I think that's the big one. I think to me it's just... It stretches the... the like, if we're, if we're looking at the... And we'll come back to how it fits in in terms of the canon. It, this takes a huge monument, monumental step into territory that doesn't really make sense. I also think at times it's... Whilst the, you know the juvenile part of me does find certain bits in this movie funny, I also think at times the movie is trying too hard to be funny and some of it goes from being, you know... Oh, this is actually quite a funny scene. No, that's you know, quite funny what those kids just said to... Uh, this is kind of cringy. You know, it makes me cringe a little bit to hear certain characters say certain things um, or certain actors, uh, you know, in this one performing the way they do. Like, I don't understand why the guy, uh, Vincent Pastor, um, you know, Big Pussy from The Sopranos, is in this movie. It feels like a weird bit of casting, like a really strange bit of casting. And he's not really doing something that, I I mean, he's not particularly funny in the movie. He's once again our character that's kind of instantly dislikable, and 
there's a couple of them in here that, there where I think they're maybe being put in here to deliver some sort of comedic lines, but they just fall flat. And I think that slows the pacing down as well, like you were saying. You know, you get like these bursts of energy in the movie, and it's like we're going to try and be funny. And the dialogue at times is so tawdry that you end up kind of, you know, I'll check the watch, or what's that, I'll check that, what's happening on my phone, right, all right, oh, we've got another death now, right, I'm invested again. So I, I feel I feel those elements were handled kind of poorly, and I also feel just in general, I, I think this guy, without knowing too much about his, you know, his pedigree, I know that obviously he started off, he did the original stuff, and then he, you know, he, he closes out this movie as, as writer and director. I kind of feel like he's almost cursed to live in the shadow of the movie he created, you know, Sleepaway Camp. And you're right, it kind of feels like he's like, that. I'm going to remake this movie, and you know, in some fashion. But just without all the stuff that made that original movie so impactful, it, it just kind of feels like even the Felissa Rose cameo, you know, reveal in this movie, which as a fan of like those first, you know, of that first movie in particular, I'm like, fuck yeah, Felissa Rose, this is awesome. But by this point, I'm like, right, okay, kinda. But how, like, here's the thing, fucking Ricky says that he goes and sees her every couple of weeks. Yeah. And so I guess it's been a couple of weeks since he's went to go see her. Yeah. But after the cops would have shown up, yet, I don't know, I feel like he would have, I don't know, maybe went and double-checked on his sister. Yeah. If cops show up to me to tell me, hey, you remember your sister slash brother slash cousin who uh, killed a bunch of fucking people, you know, all naked with the dick and all? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, There's people thinking maybe that person is out and killing people again. Yeah. It seems it seems weird, and then the fact that he says you know he's been seen her all the time, but everyone seems to know this uh, sheriff Jerry, and like well, oh this is sheriff Jerry. So like when he's not up visiting her, uh, you know she's sheriff Jerry down at the the camp. Is that how? Holy that's... shit! You know I never. Mean? Okay, you have a point there. You're everyone knows who sheriff Jerry is, but if you watch the after credit scene where it explains, because like when the credits were rolling, I was like. Okay, how the fuck did she escape and impersonate a sheriff that everyone fucking knew? Yeah, yeah. But I was writing that in my notes during the credits, and then it shows the after credit scenes, and I just go, oh, okay, I accept it. But with what you're saying, the person she killed is like no a, one. F- a foot and a fucking half taller than her, <laughs> does not have a fucking beard, does not use a fucking uh, voice uh, robot voice. <laughs> <laughs> or anything fucking like that. And yet everyone's acting like they they know this Jerry. Yeah. But this Jerry looks nothing like the, the the officer she fucking killed. And multiple times they say they're calling the police station. Yeah. Why did the police never actually, like, you know, even the fucking, uh, the, uh, the ambulance person was like, hey, we, we're almost done here. Mm-hmm. To, to this fucking officer yeah. who looks nothing like the person she killed. That person cl- talks clearly without fucking needing. Never, obviously, had fucking throat cancer. <laughs> what the fuck, man? That doesn't even. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's like one of these weird details where I'm like that. I think you could have got Angela somewhere else in this movie as something else, and it would have been possible. Or does she even need to be 
like someone that's walking around this camp can't she just be someone that's out in the woods that's coming in and picking them off it's it's a strange element to add to this movie and like you see like very early on in the kills it's evident it's not Alan and there's a character that clearly looks like a woman in you know in drag dressed like a man uh, <laughs> yeah that beard's you? not fooling anyone <laughs> that beard's terrible so I like that where it's obviously the beard robot uh, the beard woman robot over there is is our is our killer, um, and like I say, I'd never seen this movie before. But the first time that character's introduced, I was like, "All right, you're the killer." Uh, and if I was to take a guess, I would say you're probably because I knew like I hadn't seen the movie, but I knew Phyllis and Rose had a cameo. So I was like, "All right, you're Phyllis and Rose." So um, yeah, I don't think that works, and um, like like even a little bit. And I think you know it's one of a, a couple of things which to me are just really unfortunate because I think with a bit more time, a, a bit better script, a bit of a better story, to be honest with you, I think, yeah. um, you know, you could tie up these things. You can still have the goofiness. You can still have the kind of over-the-top campiness of the movie. You can still have those really cool kills, maybe tone back some of the, the logistics of it and and have, like, a you know, a, an interesting twist in this movie to make it, you know, it would make it light years better than what ultimately you're in, you're ending up with. Yeah, like here's here if if you're so afraid of living in the shadow of your former movie that you think the only thing you can do is make another movie in that franchise, why would you go the 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 shitty discount version of it? Had I been him, this would have been my sequel. Yeah. I would have made a sequel. I would have pulled a Rob Zombie yeah. and I would have shown, I would have went through Angela getting taken to a fucking hospital, us finding out more about the backstory, us finding out things from her point of view, Ricky coming and seeing her over the fucking years. And then, you know, have that be like half the movie where it's a serious psychological film. And then the other half, have her find a way to escape. Have her somehow get back to where Camp Arawak was, you know, do the Friday the 13th where they, they've reopened the camp and all that shit. And have fucking Ricky, you know, who's been haunted by all of this and who feels so responsible for all of this, come back to try and stop her. And, you know, do, like, so you can play in the, the, the cliches that your genre has brought up. Mm -hmm. but put a new spin on it because I would have respected you so much more for doing a more serious movie that still relied on cliches than what you did here with, with fucking uh, someone getting almost beat to death by a croquet mallet. No one in their, in the history of the fucking world has ever <laughs> been beat to almost death with a croquet mallet. <laughs> Never. This never fucking happened. I don't give it. First of all, no fucking. You know when I used to play croquet? When I was at my fucking granny's house and I was fucking seven. Not at fucking camp. At camp, I'm playing football or frisbee or I'm getting kicked off the dock because I'm a guy that's not in a bathing suit and you have to wear a bathing suit to be on the dock, but that doesn't apply to the females. It only yeah. applies if you're a fat white kid. So get the fuck off the dock. Uh, yeah, there's other shit I'm doing besides playing fucking croquet. I don't even know what the rules of croquet are. You hit the ball through the fucking giant staples, but after that, I've got no fucking idea at all. I don't know what the point system is. I don't know if there's 
specific layouts to these staples. I don't know, and I damn sure do not believe a single fucking uh, person who is in puberty at a summer camp mm-hmm. is playing croquet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. <laughs> so let's let's swing it round then. Last last uh, last question to touch on here is in the canon of sleepaway camp uh, movies. Uh, where does this stack up? Is this true to the the originals, or has it made so many missteps uh, that we'll point out here that it, you know it really kind of shits the bed? What's what, what? So what do you feel? Okay, so the first Sleepaway Camp is a fucking gem. It is it is one of the greatest summer camp slasher movies ever fucking made, ever. Yeah, I I, I love that movie. I adore it. I, I can't get enough of that fucking movie. I'm about to pull a Jamie Sammons and be like, I, 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 I like it. <laughs> um, Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3 kind of take out all serious now. And it's just a, a popcorn slasher film. You just watch it because they're goofy as fuck. Uh-huh. And it's great. It, and honestly, and it goes Sleepaway Camp 1, Sleepaway Camp 2, Sleepaway Camp 3. I have never seen this half-finished whatever the fuck it is that Sleepaway Camp for the Survivor or any of that shit. I've never watched it. I've never looked into it. I know jack shit about it except for someone tried to make a Sleepaway Camp and it didn't happen. Yeah. So I really can't judge that one. So then I had to go straight to return to Sleepaway Camp. And yeah, it's dead last. It, it, it tried to be serious like the first film. But it failed. And so the second and third film get to beat it because it knows it's goofy. It knows what it's doing. It's there just to have a good time. I don't think this is a, like, god-awful movie. I've seen much fucking worse movies that have bigger budgets, smaller budgets, all over the place. I don't... The pacing for this movie is something... While you and I have a huge problem with how the killer works in this movie, yep. it actually greatly helps the pacing. Yeah, oh, definitely, which, definitely. Which I think is the saving grace here, is that this movie is, what, barely an hour and a half? Yeah, half that, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it, it's not going to take a super... It's an hour and 26 minutes. It, it doesn't going to take a lot of time. You're not going to, after you watch it, be like, I've wasted my life. But you are going to be like, okay, that was kind of... I'm glad Felissa Rose got a paycheck. Yeah. That's... that's Out of 10, that's my rating for this movie. Felissa Rose got a paycheck. And I'm really excited about that. This is definitely dead last in the series. Mm-hmm. I'll, I don't know about part... Whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> part because four. I, part four. Can you even get a part four if you're not a whole movie? I don't know. I think... What? Yeah. I think this so, is... <laughs> I, I'll, I'll wait until your your version with Dave Z, which I'm sorry, Dave Z. I'm assuming you and I got the shitty end of the stick here. I don't know who got it worse, but I feel like you did. But I guess I'll find out when that review comes out. Yeah, uh, like um, <laughs> yeah, Dave Dave took the bullet. He took the he took that golden bullet, um, that shitty golden bullet. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think in terms of. Not the worst movie I've ever seen. I, I have certainly seen other movies which are, you know, in the same realms as as this that do a lot more things poorly. Uh, very much like yourself, I'm a big fan of Fossa Rose. I got to interview her 
going back a couple of years ago now and she was like legitimately one of the the most genuine warm people I've ever interviewed ever so the fact that she got a chance to come back and resurrect a character that really put her on the map even if it is in a small cameo role um, I you know I, I'm, I'm cool with that give that woman money she deserves it she's brilliant um, it does have a couple of cardinal sins for me though that really hurt it and you are right, whilst we might moan that it doesn't necessarily make sense how the killer's getting about the place, if you start stripping those elements back, then this movie then gets an extra 10 minutes added on the top of it, which really hurts it. So from that point of view, I, you know, I can live with it as well. I think it does try and emulate and echo things that that first movie does just amazing um, and so powerfully and so originally that when you, you come to this one, it just it can never live up to it. And it constantly feels like it's trying to swing for the fences, but just coming up short. Um, it's frustrating at times, I think. Like, genuinely, like like we just said, I think we both kind of agreed, small changes here would would, would make this magnitudes better. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it, you know I do Netflix gradings here. Old school Netflix gradings. One hated it. Two didn't like it. Three liked it. Four really liked it. And five loved it. What would you grade? Remember, you can put 0.5s in there as well. What would you grade Return to Sleepaway Camp? 2.5. I, I don't like it, but I'm not sitting here, like, pissed that I that I watched it. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'll never watch it again. There's just no reason to ever... Watch. There's no. There's no scenes worth pausing. There's no like. Oh yeah, that chick was naked in this movie. Let me go look up that scene. Yeah. Like it's just <laughs> never. It's never gonna happen. So I think a two point five is is fair as a rating. And like I said, the best part about this movie is that Felissa Rose got a paycheck. Yeah, I'm coming in slightly below you, but not much below you. I'm coming in too. I didn't like it. Um, I didn't hate it. I know, like, I've read online, some people really go for this movie and it's, you know, one of the worst things that's ever been made and all the rest. I, oh, I, it's, people only say that, though, because of how loved... Like, yeah. you can judge um, by how loved the original is will garner how much hate someone will have for a sequel later on in the franchise. Yeah. Like, it, it happens with a lot of series. And yeah. Sleepaway... Return to Sleepaway Clamp, I think, definitely gets more shit then it, it deserves some shit but i think it should only be smoking half of that cow shit joint not the whole thing <laughs> i like that i like that uh, like i said at the start you have a couple of fantastic shows out there um, can you let the listeners know where they can check out more jerry when they're finished listening to this episode so you can find if you want to see what i'm doing with horror you can check out kill the cast we do things like Horror Coliseum, where we take two horror movies that are very, very much in the same kind of uh, title belt or championship and put them against each other, like Alien versus The Thing, or we had Seven versus Silence of the Lambs, where we would be like, all right, Alien versus Thing, who is the greatest sci-fi horror movie of all time? Let's break it down. Let's battle them out. Who is the greatest 90s thriller of all time? Let's battle it out. We've done those. We've done our best of shows, which is kind of like a mini version of what you do where y'all y'all go through a whole fucking decade and each year gets a show. Mm-hmm. We just pick our two favorite movies from that year 
and we do a whole decade on one show. Mm. And uh, some some of your fans who listen to Skeleton Crew probably heard Kenneth and I come on Skeleton Crew to do the best of the 90s. But we on our show have done best of the 80s. We also did best of the 2000s with Dave Z from Exploding Heads and ABCs of Hidden Horror. Mm -hmm. And JP of 22 Shots of Moods and Horror and Married with Children. And speaking of Married with Children, (laughs) I do Married with Children. If you like Married with Children, then this is the show for you. It's got Alex Edwards producing it and he's the main host. You've got JP of 22 Shots and you've got me showing you all how to get your inner Steve how to get there and represent it for fucking everyone. And it, it's it's a good time. We've got, do, do, you, do you know how many people in Australia love Married with Children? I like, don't. Our, our biggest fans come from Australia. <laughs> That's cool. I swear to you. Um, so if you like Married with Children, come see that. I also frequently appear on Cut to the Chase uh where because dan can't do anything so someone else has to you know record edit (laughs) give him the ideas uh write his lines everything so i appear frequently on there and you will see me in the future on there a lot and other than that i'm all over the place i do random youtube videos where i stole the basby horror name and did casby horror yeah where i try to convince my cat to watch horror movies with me which (laughs) a is a dick to put it simple <laughs> so that that's where you can find me horophilia network we're on youtube youtube.com slash kill the cast we're on facebook you can find the fan page and the group page both of them you know search kill the cast you'll fuck you'll see us no one's copied our name yet so you can find it. if you if you enjoyed my ever uh, adorable musings on Return to Sleepaway Camp, which, by the way, credit to me, I did this whole show while blowing Duncan. And not, I, I don't know how many people have fucking, can pull that off. No one, no record. one. It's the first time it's ever happened. I fucking did it, though. I'm in love. Thank you very much, Jerry. I, I dare say this is not the last time we will have you under the stairs. I'll get you back on for a proper episode and me and you will uh, uh, wax lyrical over some creature features, I think. I think that needs to happen. I think you need to, to get me doing more of them and if I'm going to do that, I need to have you on the show. Um, right. I am going to take my last break, though. When I return, I'm closing out this show. This uh, Russian roulette franchise retrospective has come to an end. Um, all that and more, closing it out right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 126, the concluding part of our Russian Roulette franchise retrospective looking at the Sleepaway Camp franchise. I can now order them from favourite to least favourite. This should be no surprise to anyone. My favourite is part one. My second favourite is part two. My third favourite is part three. My fourth favourite is Return to Sleepaway Camp. And my least favourite with a fucking bullet it's Sleepaway Camp for the Survivor. So there you go. Thank you for everyone that took part in that poll, selecting those movies. And thank you very much to all five of my guests for joining me 
through this run of shows. Right, um, there is a multitude of ways to check out the podcast under the stairs. The primary way to check us out is on Apple Podcasts. Please come across and subscribe to the feed. That way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of podcasts under the stairs episodes. Leave us a rating and a review. The reviews are super important. They tell people why they should check out the show. They're your words endorsing the show. As well as the ratings. Five stars, for example, pushes up the iTunes charts for people to check us out. It takes seconds to do, doesn't cost you anything, means the world to us, and it's the best way to promote the podcast under the stairs. You can check us out on SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, TuneIn, and on Google Play. Come across visit our website tputzcast.com join our mailing list at the bottom of that page put your email in and join that there will be three competitions run throughout the month of December for three prizes a horror block box full of goodies will be given away one a week uh, you can only get access to them by being in our mailing list and you can only do that by joining up through the website tputzcast.com visit our Facebook group page facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast it's where the madness continues over there it's a fun fucking Facebook group where everyone gets super involved with what we're watching everyone is not addicted to each other it's a great community over there interact with us on the twin prongs of social media sexiness on Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at tputzcast it's been truly awesome seeing so many Baz flag t-shirts appear on the Facebook group page and Baz has been doing his best posting them to Twitter so keep them coming I'm looking at you Liam far too many clothes in that photo far too many clothes sir lose them drop your drawers <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that and that sounded far seedier than I hoped it was going to come out but you know what I mean just just whip your dick out that's all I'm saying just pull it pull it out for us so yeah, there we go. That's another episode in the bag. You're getting another one this week. Shaflanigans is dropping on Thursday. So get yourself ready for three and three quarters of awesome hours entertainment. But wherever you are, whatever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of us, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs and I'm signing off. <laughs> Hey!
it all.